This podcast is brought to you by Acme Markets. Fresh foods, local flavors. 93.3 WMMR Audio On Demand presents the Preston and Steve Show podcast. There was an interesting article that came out uh, with, uh, it was in BuzzFeed. The, the title is 35 Very Specific Things You Saw Every Single Time You Went to Your Grandma's House. <laughs> and I remember, and obviously this was pre-video games and all that stuff, when I was a kid, when I would be at my grandparents' house and I would have like all day by myself just wandering around. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there were other people in the house, but there was no other kids to play with. and Nothing I, for you to do. I, I needed yeah, to fill time. Yeah. I had to kind of just find things to get into and do. So I would do a lot of just going through dresser drawers and, and just, you know, whatever. Just, just yeah. nosing around. Yeah. And I remember things... Like playing with my grandfather's old shoe shine kit. Oh yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Did so, they have the buffer thing too that like spun two not ways? Not that, not the okay. electrical one, but like the brushes yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and and all. And obviously, I'd get into the shoe polish itself, which is a total mess. But I remember things like that. Marissa, you brought in uh, for show and tell uh, the old adding machine. Uh huh. With the hand crank and all that stuff, that my grand, my other grandparents, they had one of those. I would always play with that. Well, I clearly remember. There's certain things that you would have. Like I remember that old style TV remote, with right. like a button on and off, and like one thing that would manually turn turn the dial. And the thing looked like it, like a what in Star Trek they had those tricorders. It looked it was that freaking big, I, and that was a big big thing at my grandparents' house. So here are here are some items like this one says an old vacuum cleaner from at least 1979 that had one of those really big bags the that bag. filled right. up right yep. with and, air and got really warm whenever she used it. Also, and when and when they, it would develop a small tear, you it would be like a fog machine coming out of it because we'd blown the dust right out that vent. Mm-hmm. My aunt kept my grandmother's, and she used it um, for a haunted house that she would have at her house. It was like part of their haunted house was this old vacuum with the bag on the back of it. Oh, my God. I remember playing with the sewing machine. Sewing machine. You know, I don't know why. It was fascinating to me. During visiting time, if your parents were there to visit and you were, you know, you as you said, there were no other kids around. Unless you had cousins or whatever, but if they were not... You have to play with the house. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. You have to find things. I got an example for you for that, Steve, because uh, I have two younger brothers. And right. so when we would go to my, this is my dad's parents' house, my mom, uh, my, my grandmother on that side, she was the one that said the cassette player. Right. So it's that family. And uh, they had a laundry chute. Now, oh, oh, dude, dude, that's a home run. It's pretty much an indoor yeah. slide. And yeah. you can you can send things down. And if you're really adventurous, you can send things back up. And so we would play with that. Send your brother for down. Hours. <laughs> yes, Josh was small enough at the time. We could try to cram him in, which was always discouraged. But, like, uh, that was that was entertainment for oh, dude. Know, two hours, three hours. That's pretty cool. You would, you would send your action figures down Absolutely. through that. Absolutely. Like, you know, Luke Skywalker. Yes. Where's he going? Yeah. He's, He's going, going down, down the garbage chute. Hell Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. We would always have like this. I don't remember like going through their stuff or anything like that, but I remember um, like we would always have treats over there. They were always the same. We had vanilla wafers. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. There was always a bowl. What about butterscotch candies? Um, candies. Yeah. yeah. There was like an old, you know, bowl of candies that no right. one really Hard candies wanted. that would mm-hmm. mold into one big piece. And then yes. they're like eventually. Yes. Like, yes. like a sedimentary rock. Wait, and then, I just, and then I remember going through, my grandmother always had a change purse. So like 
like that was the fun. I was like, let me go through your change purse and see how many quarters you have in there. Was it one? Was it actually a, a, a one of those rubber ones that when you open that and you close, squeeze, it would look like a mouth, like a pop? No, hers was yeah. almost like a I forget what they call it, but like a mini purse where it okay, had like yeah. a snap thing at the yep. top. Yeah. Yeah. Where I keep my cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my grandfather had a coin collection, so that was something to like. That look is at. interesting. That was All okay. Right. Yeah, but um, Kathy, my grandmother would serve uh, for whatever reason. Flat 7-Up. because Flat uh, soda. Yeah. We had flat soda yeah. every time we went there. Why My was it flat? Old people at that time really loved flat soda. What, what the flat hell? Soda. Why was it no carbonation? Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a couple other examples, and we'll go to some phone calls. Uh, this one says, a 1980s dustbuster that you would always yep. end up oh, playing yeah. with. <laughs> the dustbuster. You may use that as a toy. That could be like a laser gun. <laughs> you know, yep. You know, it was like something that my, my, my grandmother was in entertainment, so she had, you know, she, she, she taught uh, ta- uh, dance and, and, and uh, music. So in her basement, Preston, she had a full xylophone. Oh, wow. And like, <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. Was all, I, I wasn't allowed to go play with it, but I did every now and then. Uh, this other uh, posting says, a fridge covered with magnets, but specifically the fruit and vegetable ones, <laughs> which were that. actually more decorative than anything else since they were sucky magnets and wouldn't hold anything to the fridge. Also, do you remember the um, the giant uh, wooden spoon and fork? Yes. Some people would have those. Yep. Displayed on against wall. on the wall. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of an older generation thing. Like with plates. Decorative uh, plates. Furniture covered in plastic has to be on there. There's another one that says uh, drinks and condiments inside the fridge that had clearly been in there for decades, <laughs> but that she said were still good and refused to throw out. There's your flat soda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's your flat soda. Exactly. Um, oh, here's another one. <laughs> and also in her fridge, grandma's fridge. Lots of Cool Whip and Country Crock oh containers God, yes. that have all types of food in it except whipped cream and butter. Yep. My, so there, there was makeshift Tupperware. Yeah. When yep. my mom passed away and we were clearing out everything in, in the house and, and, you know, just kind of giving a big clean. Uh, in she would take Carvel ice cream containers and she would make gravy in advance because she was a southern cook. And we had like 10 Carvel containers of frozen gravy in the refrigerator. It was at, hilarious. At my grandmother's house, she always used to do uh, the Folgers instant coffee because it was just her, so right, she would yeah. make one cup at a time. So all of those Folgers cans turned into what the nails went in. Oh, there you go. All oh, yeah. the brick brack. Brick brack. Yeah, I remember coffee those. cans for nails. My yeah. dad had that, yeah. Let me go to uh, Michael. Hey, Michael, good morning. Hey, good morning. You guys rock. Thanks, oh. man. What's up, Michael? Well, uh, two things. Well, uh, one about myself, but but one as part of my profession. I, I've been a nurse for over 30 years, uh, specialized in geriatrics, uh, worked at, like, say, the Philadelphia Corporation for Aging for, for years, and always would go into the seniors' homes and ask if we could look in their medicine cabinet, and there was always... Uh, a, a standard. Okay. You had the ru- you had the rusted can of Barbasol. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The straight razor with the screw bottom with the rusted blade still <laughs> sitting there making a stain inside the rust cabinet. is big with the uh, yeah, with the, yes the older community. people don't remember those yeah. kind of razor blades where you actually had to take the blade out and then screw it back in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. My favorite was when they had the very early uh, electric shavers that looked more like instruments of death than they did um, uh, something that we would use nowadays. The blades just were scary. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Myself, going to see my grandparents who lived in Florida 
We always had the hot dogs and the freezer burned crinkle fries. <laughs> All right, fair enough. And freezer burned, yeah. The, the way of entertaining myself was I would steal one of my grandfather's white undershirts, <laughs> dental floss, and 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 pennies, and I would make parachutes and throw them off the second floor. That's great. Yes, very creative. All right, Michael. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You know what I most vividly remember? Um, no, most clearly remember. Um, from my grandparents' house was not anything in their house, but what we used to do over there. And for whatever reason, I was like a big, you know, I was like an actress when I was younger. Yeah. I like to pretend and all this stuff. And I would make my brother pretend that we were hitchhiking because my grandparents lived in an apartment. So there was like, you know, where you would park. My mom would like let us walk down the street before she got to the main road. And so I would pretend we were hitchhiking and we didn't know my parents. And my brother was so little at the time and he used to cry and be like, no, that's our mom. And I'd be like, no, it's not. We're hitchhiking. We're getting in with strangers. So you'd play with the neighborhood. Yeah. Wow! I would make yeah, so I would make my mom, uh, you know, drive past us, and I'd like wave her down with my thumb out. Wow, <laughs> that's nice. Uh, I will go next to uh, okay. Let me go to Paul. Hey, Paul. Good morning. Good morning. Good what, morning. What's up, Paul? Oh, MMR rocks, Paul. Uh, thanks. Me. Appreciate it, man. Hey, look, look. I'm old school for sure. Okay. But what I remember. At my grandparents' house, man, they lived in the country. They lived in Blackwood, New Jersey, a long time ago. All right. And we actually, they actually had a a well in the house. Whoa! Oh my god, that's awesome! A well. Yeah, well, inside. I mean, when we wanted water, we would have to go to the well, which was just offside the kitchen, and it was a well that we had to let the bucket down and what? bring it up. Dude. And and use water like that, and that's what I always remembered about my grandparents' house. That's amazing. There was no plumbing in the house then, right? Was that just an ancillary? Was that? I mean, was actual? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm I'm 70 years of age. So when we went down to our grandparents' house, we had to go to an outhouse, which was off the house ways, and the whole setup. Oh, that's wild, man. Yeah. yeah, but the one thing I truly, truly remember was that there was a well <laughs> that in the house. Well, that's that, a great story. That might have Thanks, been the Paul. height of like uh, of appreciate oh, it. The well is in the house. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we my grandparents didn't have a, a well in their house, but they but they had a sump pump that I was terrified of. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was in a corner of this dingy, yeah. musty. Dark basement. They've got a it, robot down there. It would make noises, yeah. and it was. It just looked imposing to me, and I thought, I seriously thought that it like went to hell or something like that. <laughs> that it went. That there were demons in there or well, something like that. Like um, Amityville 3D has a, a, a near the sump pump. There was a hole that went to hell. You know what else my grandparents had down by the sump pump? <laughs> they had a, a a small set of shelves that they would keep um, emergency food there for whatever reason. It was all canned, right, right, right stuff that had been there. This is pre prepper. Was already ancient when I was a little kid, <laughs> and it just it looked. Disgusting. Yeah, of course. You know? uh, and I wouldn't venture to that part of the the basement too often. Wow, that sounds like a like. Well, you did it they scared have, me? Did they have the piece of furniture that terrified you, or was it your parents? No, that was my parents. Okay, yeah, we yeah. had we had a chair that I was scared. Of. <laughs> 
<laughs> it looked like the evil queen's it had a yeah. high back. Sure. It was black with gold yeah, trim yeah, on it. Yeah. Really high. But it was a decorative chair. Mm, and I used to think that you know, like Maleficent sat in that. Sure. Like what that. if you came home one day and the sump pump was sitting in the chair? Yeah. <laughs> I would. I would have left my family. No! Uh, Kathy, on this list, it says uh, the fancy for guests living room that was filled with plastic-covered furniture and you weren't allowed to play in. Yeah, never got that. I remember some friends who not only had the plastic on their furniture, but they had like a they had like the runner. A, a runner, the runner. Oh, yes. Yes. plastic covers. Yes, yes. I, I've never seen anything like oh that. Oh my god! So that wasn't my grandparents' house. My grandparents didn't have the plastic covered furniture. It was my piano teacher, and everything in the room where I guess she would have her clients come and she would teach piano. Everything was was covered in plastic, <laughs> and the runner went from the front door, and you had to walk on it to into the kitchen. The, no, into the living right. room, and then you had to walk through the living room to the piano there was another runner like she basically didn't want anyone's dirt anywhere in her house and the runner was plastic, plastic. Yeah. uh-huh yep. wow so we had yeah. we actually did not have any of our furniture covered in the plastic but we did have a runner that came from the front door to the kitchen to the tiled kitchen floor and that was you had to stay on that that was the thing so but was like, it plastic it was plastic oh okay yeah. <laughs> all right we're going to uh, things you find at your grandmother's house or maybe stuff that you played with at your grandparents house as well i'm gonna go to uh joe hey joe good morning okay how you doing good what's going on my man Hey, thank you for having me on. It's the first time I ever called you. Uh-huh. Uh, listen, um, I'll try to preface this really quick. All right. My mom was 36 when she had me. Okay. And we lived, We ended up living with my grandparents, so they were much older. Okay. And they were from uh, from Italy. And so they made and did everything. They even dug out their own basement. It was really wild. Wow. Wow. What I remember most from my grandfather is, He had an old-time cigarette rolling machine, which looked like two little horses, like a a construction horse with a piece of cloth that looped between. And you would put the paper in there, and he would put his uh, tobacco in there, and you would spin the paper inside the cloth. And that would roll the cigarettes. Right. Up. Right. That sounds pretty cool. Yes, yeah, it was really neat. I mean, they the whole entire house, everything you could eat off the whole entire yard. <laughs> they, when, I'm serious. When you uh, when they went to the store, the only thing they would buy is milk and and meat, and that was it. Milk and, and meat. <laughs> yeah, they they made canned pickle, did everything. Wow! wow. So it, it was just a it was Joe, just a pain. Did yeah. your grandfather teach you how to roll cigarettes? Well, uh, yes, he did, and as a cause of that, I uh, I ended up doing that an awful lot when I was in high school. Mm, I <laughs> but, bet. Um, but uh, <laughs> what did you do? He ended up. Uh, do you remember the old uh, credit card machines where they used to slide? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they had a cigarette roll machine that was like that. It, it was like the new one. Oh, I, 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 like one one motion across, and it would roll it. Yes. Okay. Out I, I remember that unit. That. I remember they used to sell those in magazines. You'd see it in Preston. They'd, they'd be like in the back of like a Nash Lampoon. So it wasn't necessarily for tobacco, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a popular item. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's really the things you remember. You know, from when you're young. Oh, yeah, yeah. And what you had to do to entertain yourself. By the way, thank you, Joe. I appreciate the call. I had my at my parents' house. My grandfather had a, uh, a substantial. Uh, he was um, he was a carpenter. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was you know what he did on the side. So he had all kinds of tools and stuff back sure. there. And I remember for a while, and I might have been like ten years old. I I started playing with his jigsaw. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, just yeah, finding yeah, pieces yeah. of wood and cutting it and <laughs> just doing whatever. Yeah. And I would play with that. That, that was, was my some time. toy. Yeah. yeah, but you had to find things to entertain yourself with. If there wasn't something on television, like I said, this is obviously pre phones and actually a lot of pre video game days. You just had to kind of root around and. See what you could find to entertain yourself for a little bit. I, I, the, the houses weren't set up for no. kids. Yeah. It was set up, you know, you had the big clump of butterscotch by the front door, and uh, <laughs> yeah, there were the standards. It was meant for very old people. Or the strawberry candies. Yeah. I remember just grabbing oh, yeah. the snuffer, the candle snuffer, and oh, like yeah. walking around the house and putting out fake candles. Right. <laughs> like, they weren't lit, but I would still put it out. Yep. Here's a, a couple other things from this list, which are things you always find at your grandmother's house. Uh, an old coffee percolator that she only ever used for parties. Uh, her recipe card library oh, that yeah. sat on the kitchen counter. Oh, man. My Aunt Mary has one. Uh, Aunt Mary's still alive. I think she's 90 now. She lives uh, in Willow Grove, and she Preston, has a like a, a, an entire dresser drawer filled with recipe cards. Right. And at this point in our family, it's kind of like gold. Like, yeah, oh, my she's God. Yeah. For decades and decades and decades. I'd love to get my hand on them. For uh, Christmas a few years ago, my uncle uh, copied my grandmother's recipes and oh, laminated cool. them and gave them oh, to... Oh, what a great idea. Uh, bunches. But then I saw one recently where you can um, somebody put it on a cutting board. So oh, they had it like laid into a cutting that's board. Oh, I love really that. I like that. My yeah. grandmother had given the family her a book of her favorite uh, sex positions. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, it was really... That's nice. It was so nice. <laughs> that's the way Gum Gum used to do it. <laughs> oh my she God. model the photos in Yeah, there? absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, here's another one. Uh, a bowl of nuts that seemed to always have been the exact same ones, and you wondered if anyone ever ate them. Yeah. So there'd be like walnuts and Brazilian nuts and, you know, macadamia nuts and all that stuff in there. No, I remember with, with nutcrackers. With oh, nuts yes. In there, yeah. Oh, we had, there were nutcrackers at my grandmother's house, mm-hmm. absolutely. My dad would eat them. It didn't matter how long they'd been there. <laughs> and he wouldn't even use a nutcracker. He'd just bite care. into them. Just... Yeah. Uh, here's one that I remember doing when you were looking for things to do. Uh, at the parents' house, I'm going to go to uh, EJ. Hi, EJ. Good morning. Hey, guys. Hey, what's up? Um, so, actually, this is going all the way back to my great-grandmother's who had a, a row home in Kensington. Okay. And so her stairs were just at the right angle, and they were carpeted. So we would actually go, and it would, you know, it was always Sunday dinner, so actually I had the cousins to play with, and we would go up to the top and actually slide down the stairs. Yeah, yeah. you could, you could on your butt, yeah. you could, you could yeah. slide all the way down the stairs. Yeah, if you, see, if you lifted your feet up a little yep. bit and straightened your, your feet up, and you could just brrr, all the way down. <laughs> yep. Hours and hours. And sure. Hours, but... All right, thanks, EJ. I appreciate it. Let me go to uh, Terry. Hey, Terry, good morning. Hi, Terry. <laughs> I'm sorry. There it is. What's up, Terry? There we go. Hey, good morning. Uh, my grandparents had a corner store in their basement. Okay. And you could have, you, we could go down there and get anything we wanted. What, we what, what do you mean by a corner store? They did that like they were literally selling things or you're just referring to it as a yeah. corner store? Huh? No, no, they they literally owned a corner store. You know, like you know the little Dago bar that you. Oh, oh. On oh so store. they lived above it. They, they lived above it, and they owned it, and they they ran lived on Dago bar out, yeah. out of their home. They were living where Yoda, and, Yoda lived. Bodega. <laughs> you said Dago bar. I know Dago bar, <laughs> which is uh, Yoda's home. It's a story. <laughs> and we could we could literally go down there and get you know candy and toys. Oh, that's cool. Deli meats right off the slicer. Yes. Oh my god! Uh, the lightsabers. Learn the uh, they like had, deliver where you do. <laughs> they had all of that stuff. 
Yeah. Okay, I, I love that, man. He missed this in time. Yeah. No, he's just smart, and he's just going forward. He's not that smart. Sorry. He lives on Dagobah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm a Star Wars fan, too. <laughs> See? Now, to have a store like that right. in your basement would have been like heaven. That's yes. awesome. So, Terry, were you? did they allow you to go down to just take the stuff you wanted, and they'd uh, take it out of in inventory later on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing we couldn't do is we couldn't actually slice the meats on the slices. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that makes good. sense. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense, uh, Terry. You know, you stay away from the uh, the deli cutter. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but everything else would be great. All right, thanks. Guys. But everything so, else, I mean, they even, they even let us ring up the, the ring up people on the register. You know? I was wondering if they would let you guys do that. Ring up customers, you will. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> all right, thanks, Love man. man. Appreciate it. <laughs> Hang on. All right. Sometimes you find something you don't want to find. I'm going to go to Gary. Hey, Gary. Good morning. Well, I had a feeling you guys would uh, save me for, for one of the last ones. <laughs> All right. Yeah, do tell, so, Gary. So, I'm in my 40s now. Um, I officially stopped looking through Grandma and Grandpa stuff around the age of 12. Uh, every time we were over there, we decided to go searching. And I found out some really cool things. We always had a contest. You could find the coolest thing and, and, and share it with, you know, the other cousins. Right. And, uh, well, one day we were in one of the guest bedrooms. And of course, you know, we're challenging, well, we gotta go somewhere we've never gone and so we, we really we pulled out all the all the uh, dresser drawers and we 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 were going deep and uh we noticed in the way back because I mean who doesn't look through their grandparents' photo album? Sure. Yeah. So we found a photo album in the way back that we just never saw before. We're like, Oh, what is this? We open it up and good old grandma apparently had a nice uh X-rated photo session done. Oh, my God. Session. Wow. Like how? Uh, X? Triple X? What are we talking? Uh, not triple X, but I got to see where my daddy came from. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. And, and was, it in, was it in her younger years, Gary, or was it more grandma, grandma age? <laughs> was uh, it like the I deli would, meat I at would, the bodega? I would, like, I would like to say that I was probably born at this point. Okay. Um, oh, wow. So she was grandma. What, even if grandma was 20, I don't think I'd look at it the same. But, um, yeah, and it, and it was like, I mean, if you guys remember in the 80s, they had, it was that blue, cloudy, black backdrop. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and they were, they were so I don't know. They, I can only presume they were professionally done. But wow. But, of course, put that back, and I lost that day, and I didn't find anything exciting. So. All right. At what point did you say anything to anyone, or did you hold on to this forever? Or did I you... held on to this for, for many years, and finally, when I was basically an adult, and we were moving my grandparents from their home to a, uh, a retirement community, you know, my aunt's like, oh, you know, we need help to sit. I'm like, I got stuff to do. I'm good. And, you know, and they're like, why are you not helping? I'm like, look. And finally I told them. And basically they all said I was off my rock. And they're like, my mom would never do this. So I beg to differ. So, <laughs> fast forward to God rest her soul. They both in the past with like a year of each other in the past few years. But so um, my aunt calls me up and says, hey, you know, we need you to, you know, we're getting rid of stuff. Go through stuff. We've got family albums. And, of course, I hear that and I start twitching. Um, so I said, look, I said, I'm not going through any photo albums until you go through them first. So she said, all right, fine. You're still being crazy. I can't believe you're not letting us go. Maybe a week goes by after they're cleaning stuff out. And all of a sudden, I get the call. And she calls me up and says, I want to apologize. <laughs> 
I said, what, what happened? She's like, I found the photo album. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So... I, and I, I had to ask, I'm like, what did you do with it? And I'm like, did you look through it? She's like, I had to. It was like a train wreck. And she said it went into our backyard, you know, fire pit. She's like, no one will ever find them. They are gone with her. Oh, hey, oh, G- wow. let me ask you, Gary, do you, do you guys get a, a group rate on a therapy or? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing, Steve. Talking about this is literally like I'm cringing right now. Oh, dude, I, I told you. I, I saw my grandmother topless, Flag La Bleach, Florida. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it lives with you. Yeah, it's Forever. yeah, it's just it's nothing you can ever forget. So my heart goes out to you. Wow, I appreciate it, yeah. guys. Thank you. All right, good luck with that, Gary. Wow, can you imagine that. Wow. No, grandma, shoot. And I guess they had to destroy it. I mean, she was gone. You know, you don't want to, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Would you save it, Kathy? She'd I mean, save one picture. No, I mean, well, like <laughs> for the photo album, the family yeah, photo I mean, album. I guess what the hell do you want naked pictures of grandma for? I don't know. <laughs> What if you find we out that no- your relative, as you're going through things, is actually that that, that large African American gentleman sitting on the edge of the bed? Seriously, see, we don't have very many pictures. Like, if, my mom was never good at, <laughs> at taking pictures, saving pictures. Likewise, I told the story before, but she like destroyed all my dad's pictures of like with other you know girlfriends that he had. He was engaged before, and I always wanted to see like you know what they look yeah. like. And he's like, oh, your mom made me get rid of them. <laughs> 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 so I I love I keep picture I keep so many. Pictures. Yeah, we've got loads of family photos from back in the day, and I love going back and looking at them. It's That's why great. you are more inclined to do photo albums and yeah, presentations and wall. It's in your blood. Yeah, because I always enjoyed it. Right. It was one of the things. My mom had this big canister of just a, a, a you know a, a hodgepodge of photos. Yeah. Right. And every now and then, every once in a great while, we'd take them out and we'd throw them out on the floor and we'd start going through. They weren't arranged in any particular right. way. They have a blast going through those. So yeah, my sister always kept photo albums. So I did that. Yeah, I mean, I don't really do it anymore. You can easily create them. Sure. Uh, through now, laptops and programs. Where it's easier than ever to do it, you do it less. Yeah. Because it be, it's, yeah. it's just always sitting there. Yeah. But I, I think I yeah. should do some physical books. And you just right. kind of set them out and have them there. And they're kind of fun to go through from time to time. Uh, we still got time for a couple of more. Uh, let me go. Yeah, let me go. These are things you found at your grandparents' house or would play with at your grandparents' house. I'm going to go to Sean. Hey, Sean, good morning. Hey, Gadzooks, guys. Gadzooks, What's up? So in, in addition to the story I wanted to share, I think my grandfather may have been that photographer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right. No, no, no. Total, total joke. Thoughts right. and prayers, though, Gary. Um, <laughs> I, uh, my, my brother and I used to love the chairlift on my grandfather's stairs. Dude, um, oh, I wanted... And he... <laughs> He would not love when we would race it up and down the stairs. He also did not like when we would commandeer the uh, remote control uh, so that when he would get like <laughs> 75% of the way up, we would have him go back down and jostle him up and down a bit. Sean, I kid you not, one year I remember asking Santa Claus for one of those chairs. You know, I'm a kid, but it just looked like so so much fun. Obviously, it's not fun if you're 90 and can barely get up one step. But, um, but what was... Uh, uh, so you would have it, you would have the remote. Your your um, your grandfather would be going up the steps, and you'd be able to could take control of it and start lowering it and and f with him a bit. Correct. Yeah, yeah. because because the, the remote would would you know I guess supersede the the little lever on the chair in case something went wrong. <laughs> you know, he'd be he'd be inching up to the top to go to the bathroom or something. We'd have him going back down uh, uh, and. 
you know. You know, you know, I always wanted to. Uh, so, yeah, Sean, Sean, thanks, I, man. I, I always think, I'm impressed. I think of the, uh, you know, the, the, the ones that would go up and then curve, like in the movie Gremlins. Yeah. So the, it goes up the steps and then it curves mm-hmm. and then launches the granny out the window. Yep. My grandparents had a lot of furniture that was another piece, that was another item. So they had like a big credenza. That was actually a radio when you'd open up the oh, top. The TV in the cabinet was it yep. was a standard. They also had a um, a table that was a craps table. And yeah. these all took me years to find out. So had a craps table at home? Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. It was a craps table, but it was like covered in like brick brack and tchotchkes Did and you all say sorts your, of little things. The chopping block in your kitchen was also a Sibian. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, another another one of those is bumper pool. Oh, oh yeah. Because you could put a top on it and it would become a table. Sure. Mm-hmm. I love but bumper pool. I hated yeah. bumper pool. <laughs> I loved it. It took me way too long in life to find out. I opened up um, the 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 lamp was on a table, so it was connected to the table. Right. I opened up the table bottom on one day, and there was a record player in there. Okay. And Abbey Road was sitting right there. <laughs> oh, <that's great>. so- <laughs> Uh, here's a couple more on this list of things you always found at Grandma's house. Uh, a decorative bowl of plastic grapes that yeah. she had for at least Wax 25 fruit. years. Yeah, Wax fruit, a perennial. Very uh, dusty. I yeah. remember my yeah. I remember playing with the plastic grapes and pretending to eat them <laughs> as well. Could have choked on one. Uh, how about a set of very outdated encyclopedias? Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, my God. We had the encyclopedias. Yeah, we did, too. <laughs> and, and I would only, and I would go through them and find... In the the anatomy ones, they would have those uh, the clear pages that you could uh, fold like the muscle groups on top of the uh, on top of the, the internal organs the, the, on top uh, of the bones. acetate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The acetate. That's it. <laughs> uh, so we we my mother got us the full Funk and Wagnall uh, encyclopedia set through the uh, through the supermarket that you'd go to. So you'd go and purchase, and they they'd bring out a new letter every week. <laughs> It's, it was the worst. You know, we, you'd lose letters. It was the most incomplete encyclopedia set ever. Uh, also, this is an, uh, her old telephone list finder sitting next to the phone. Oh, and yeah. Steve, I remember those. Wh- what did they call those? Uh, was it like a, a Filofax or? The Filofax is, is a similar. Yeah, it may, in fact, that might be the name person, but you'd have these little. Yes, that's that's. Right. I have a picture of it right, right here. Yeah, it was a. Uh, you'd was, move an arrow down. It was flat, and you right. would move this arrow down to the letter you want. You'd hit the button, and it would pop Boing. open. Yeah, right to that part of uh, of where the uh, the phone numbers were kept. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I used to play with that thing. All I the loved time. it. Yeah, because it would spring open. Uh, let's see here. Uh, and the last thing it says, the, the tin of Royal Dansk Danish butter cookies <laughs> that never had cookies oh, in yeah. it. was filled with other oh stuff. Yeah. yeah, several people were texting in that the, uh, the sewing supplies. And yes. Always sewing. sewing. Yeah. That's what this photo is. Uh-huh. There like we go. All, of, all the threads yes. and needles and By all the that way, stuff. I love those Royal Dansk they butter cookies. cookies. Too. They yeah. are so damn cookies. good. Yes. They're really good. Wait, do they still they... exist? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they do. do. Right, yeah. Probably no, get some. They're excellent. Were they all the same flavor? No. They were different flavors, yes. right? Now that I'm looking uh, at them. I think they were all butter cookies, different shapes. Some of them had sugar, sugar on them. Some of them didn't. Some okay. had chocolate swirled into them. Yes. Some of them had like uh, little fruit uh, inserts and things like that. But they were all no. super healthy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's another one. A cozy Afghan blanket. Oh, yeah. That smelled just like her house. Oh. Yeah, and my my uh, my one of my grand actually both of my grandmothers were quilters. Ah, uh, so there were quilts all over the place yeah. as well. So, yeah, these are uh, it's interesting, and and I'm wondering what it's like now if kids in our era in this era even need to root around through stuff and find things. This to play is my with. grandmother's zip drive. Uh, because, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because you've got plenty of options right, of yeah. things to either watch 
or play with. They can find Grandma's naked pictures online now. <laughs> yeah. well, yes. yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just go to Pornhub. <laughs> PrestonandSteve.com. <laughs> Digital yeah. 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 Grandma's on OnlyFans. There was yep. one time at Keenan's. Yeah. <laughs> Billy's hottest. One or the other. Some or the other. Why right. is your hair never growing right, Grandma? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for your calls. We do appreciate it. We'll be back in a moment. Get social with Preston and Steve and WMMR. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok, and probably other places. Hey, you've heard us talking about Krista. She's beautiful, classy, and brilliant, and she's so easy. Krista is Stephen's most loved engagement ring. Picture her, a bright white, high-quality, round, brilliant-cut diamond expertly set into a classic, solitaire, Tiffany-style setting. Krista will guarantee you a yes. Go to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on Krista to check her out. Visit Stephen's showroom at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. You buy real diamonds from a real jeweler that you can trust. It's IHateStevenSinger.com. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Uh, our guest is ready to go. Oh, there yeah. we go. I love this. Earliest rock star interview <laughs> ever. It's got to be. Yeah. 7.30 in the morning. I He had to have been up all night, I'm God. guessing, yeah. just because of rock stars in there. Maybe he does goat yoga in the morning. <laughs> Maybe he does that. <laughs> uh, listen, we love this band. We love his band. Casey had a chance to, uh, when they were in town last, uh, have a one-on-one interview with him. I was so nervous, but he um, he was gentle with me. <laughs> uh, and we just played the song Wild Child from Black Keys. Please welcome Mr. Dan Arbach. Yay! Hi, Dan. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Have you been up all night, or did you actually wake up this morning to do this interview? I've been I've been up all evening. Okay, there you go. I had a feeling. Rock stars. I had just enough drugs to do this. <laughs> all right. Excellent. Listen, you, you got to know how to parse it out. Yeah. <laughs> It'll get me. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Dan, congratulations uh, on, you know, more music. You guys keep cranking it out. The uh, The album is coming out May 13th, and we've been playing, like I said, A Wild Child. And it's, it's so wild because normally, you know, before you sit down and, and talk to a musician... You listen to the whole, whole album, yeah. you check it out, and it kind of it doesn't really happen that way right. anymore. We get little bits and pieces. Um, do you prefer doing it the way things are done now? Where we, like one song at a time, you mean? Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of fun to set up a record like that, you know, get some, you know, a couple of visuals going and, uh, you know, a couple songs one at a time. Okay. Uh, speaking of visuals, the video is a trip. Uh, so uh, you guys are, are are dressed up as a uh, as a janitor and a and a cook at a high school, and it actually it's pretty disgusting too, uh, because you get the pleasure of cleaning up vomit and all that stuff. Whose concept was it to go back into the halls of a high school? I mean, it's just a documentary. <laughs> it's, just a doc- it's based on fact. Oh, and by the way, I loved the the setup video. For the new music, where you guys were at a, uh, you were at a, a school board meeting. I assume that's is what right. that was. That was great. Yeah, we have a lot of angry fans that are, they can't <laughs> believe that we're getting treated like that. <laughs> Please tell me, did people actually think it was legit? Absolutely. Oh my god. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> you know the, the concept of of you know of putting. Uh, Rarely do I get to see videos associated with the music these days, and it used to be an essential part of the process. Uh, but you know, you, you forget how an effective video can can help finesse people into listening to the music. So, w- where does it fall on priority list for for you guys as far as making sure there's a solid accompanying video? I don't know. You know, 
call us old fashioned, I guess. We like doing it. Yeah. It seems like you're having I mean, a, a fun, a fun time. Yeah. I mean, it sh- I think it should be fun. I mean, we always liked videos like that. So, um, Brian Schlamm is the guy who wrote it and directed it, and he's really amazing. I remember there was a stretch where, the, uh, from the video world, you were getting people like Russell Mulcahy, who was, you know, started in music videos and started and became a, a, a huge director. You had a, a like a conga line of people who who graduated from that. So, uh, you know, there, there's clearly talent in that realm. Yeah, we're waiting for Brian to get his next movie. We want to be in his movie. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Dan, I wanted to ask about um, your your songwriting. Um, you guys, you, you just rate, you, you, you write awesome, catchy, feel-good, sing-along tunes, which I love. It's the type, I call them roll-down-the-window songs. So you can be in your car, you can roll down the window and just take it in and sing along and kind of forget about everything else and have a good time. And, I, and, and it seems like you just crank them out easily has songwriting always been something that that just comes naturally to you or is it a craft that you really had to work on you know it i got a lot better as soon as i met pat okay pat I, I think vice versa you know we just got lucky man we we grew up a block and a half from each other and we had this natural connection and it was like as soon as pat and i started playing music it was like instantly sounded like music you know what i mean yeah and uh, that was very rare. Still is. And and that's that's what happens with great bands uh, throughout the history of rock. These people met each other. Yeah. They were the right people to meet each other, to influence each other, to feedback, you know, get the right feedback and, and create some of the greatest music we've ever heard. When it comes to the writing process, because, you know, Pat plays drums, what else does he do that contributes to the, the songwriting as well? Does he write uh, melodic things? Oh, man, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And we actually started... A bunch of these songs are just around the table with some acoustic guitars trying to come up with lyrics with people like um, An- our friend Angelo and uh, <clears throat> and uh, our friend Greg, who co-wrote some of the songs with us. And Pat was right there with us, throwing ideas back and forth. And when we're in the studio, he's playing synth, he's playing bass, he's playing guitar. Okay. I mean, whatever whatever needs doing, we'll, we'll, we'll give it a shot. Uh, when I had the opportunity, uh, Dan, to sit down and talk to you a couple of years ago, um, you know, I'd asked you about, um, you know, when you t- started taking guitar lessons or something along those lines. <laughs> you were like, no, I, n- I never took a guitar lesson. So essentially, you're you're, you're self-taught. Um, and I don't know when you uh, picked up the guitar for the first time, but, you know, I recently heard an interview with uh, Slash that uh, he was actually like a, a BMX guy, right? And and that's what he did from the time the sun, you know, came up to the it went down and then around 14 years old is when he picked up the guitar for the first time and completely stopped riding his bike and and music became his life so at what point how old were you when you picked up the guitar and and did that take over your life it was when i was 14 yeah it was i mean uh I, I was playing sports before that pretty pretty full on and i i played some sports in high school but when i turned 14 i that's when i um started playing and, and, then, and was it was like the switch flipped at that point? Absolutely, yeah. You kind of get you bit with that bug, and it's just yeah. like there's no turning back. You know, my family played music; they played bluegrass when I when we had family reunions, and I would see them play guitars, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to have a Martin guitar and, and play and mm-hmm. sing those songs with them. Um, so, <laughs> you're self taught. How, how quickly did you take to the instrument? Was it difficult for you, or were you just a natural? Uh, it was hard, but you know, 
I was young and dumb and butt-headed. And uh-huh. just kept that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's, it's such a wonderful thing. To, I wish, you know, that I had learned learned an instrument. I, I think it, 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 it is so important. That's why music programs in schools are so important, because it does help you to think and process things, and it, it opens up a whole world to you. Um, I mean, you're a perfect example. What we, was soccer your sport, I think? Was, was that what I read? Yeah. Yeah, I used to, yeah, I used to play soccer. And and so everything everything shifts at that point, and and, and that's the, the great way. If you find something that you're interested in learning, you're you're an unstoppable force. And, and sadly, a lot of times kids aren't introduced or given the chance to find that thing. I know. You know, my biggest regret is I never learned how to play piano. My mom was a piano teacher, and that was like the one place where I uh, rebelled and oh. like an idiot. <laughs> Oh, you had your own teacher right there. <laughs> Do you think? And it's it's weird to sound uh, say because you guys are uh, you guys just put out great song after great song and great album after great album. But do you think it, had you played the piano that it would make you a better songwriter? I don't know, man. Every time we have to uh, hire a piano player, I just kick myself. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. Yeah. Speaking of hiring, Dan, I wanted to ask about the dynamic of being in a, in a two-member band um, that uh, needs more than that for support when, when playing live and choosing who are going to be uh, your musicians uh, for a particular tour. Um, do you go with, uh, with people you know? Do you have auditions? How does that work out? Well, the guys who've been playing with us recently, the Gabbard brothers, they're from Cincinnati. They were in a band called The Shams, and the Black Keys played our very first show with them in Cleveland. Oh, wow. So we've known them for a long time. By the way, what was it? Uh, did you post it was 20 years ago? It was a 20-year, uh, was it just 20, 20 yes- years ago. Yesterday. yesterday or something like that Jesus. was your first gig. That's right. Oh, that is, that is wild. What was that night like? Well, we had 45 minutes of material, and we played it in about 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pacing is the big just, thing. I don't remember any of it. It was such a blur. I just remember, like, coming to, like, backstage after the show. Like, what happened? What just happened? <laughs> Did they tell you to play more because you had more time left? No, they booked us. And they gave, they paid us $10, and then they booked us for, the for like, uh, two weeks later. Okay, and we got we got paid zero dollars on the next gig. Wow! <laughs> All right, so with with this hiring, uh, you know, people to play and 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 be a part of your band, um, do you foresee yourself becoming comfortable with some people and maybe making them a full time part of Black Keys? Man, I think Black Keys are just Pat and I. Okay, you know I mean? yeah. we're in the studio. I mean, we'll invite people to come record with us, but you know, the band is always just going to be the two of us. It's like. We're so fortunate we get to do this, and we, you know, we've known each other for so long. It's like, you know, that that's just what it is. It's 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 the two of us. Yeah, well, it's like it, I always think of the, the example of, of of Ghost. You know, you you have the essentially the 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 one man who is Ghost, and everyone else is in masks. So all of your um, backup musicians from here on in have them wear masks because they're easily <laughs> interchangeable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Dan and Pat masks. <laughs> exactly. That's a great idea. It makes, idea. It, it, makes yeah. it so much easier. There's nothing creepy about that. No, 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 no. no. The audience no. wouldn't be chilled. Mm-mm. No, but I do like you, um, you know, 
aside from the band, you do like to collaborate with the same people, you know, time and time again. And I wanted to talk about your relationship with uh, with Perry. Uh, Perry Shaw, who does uh, the, your concert posters, he does them for the Black Keys, he does it for your solo stuff. My favorite concert poster He's was, from Philly, he, by the way. Yeah, he's from Philly, but your concert poster... Oh, really? Yeah. I, I didn't know. Right? <laughs> I'm letting our audience know that. Those who he may not never, know that. He's never mentioned that. Okay. <laughs> but uh, the one concert poster, it was just um, it was just words, and it just says, the Black Keys aren't as bad as Philadelphians say they are, uh, and that might be my favorite concert poster. Do you have a, a favorite uh, of yours over the years? Ooh, I don't know, but everything Perry does, I love. He's the absolute best. Shout out to Perry. And then how did you guys end up uh, meeting and, and started uh, working together? We we met through a band called um, Jeff the Brotherhood, who, who are here in um, Nashville. I, I worked on a record with them. And and then uh, Perry and I did, the first record we did together was a, for an African group where I recorded uh, a guy named Bombino. And, uh, man, I've, we've been working together ever since. You know, you, you talk about so being a, a two-member uh, band, and, and you have your, your sound, you, you know, the concept of what you are seems to be so solidified, and yet you produce other other artists. Um, um, that's a skill I assume you have to, uh, have to develop to, because it can't be about you. You're going to have to enhance what they are. Um, was that difficult at first? No, I, I love doing that. I love being part of a team. You know what I mean? That's my favorite kind of music is like grew up watching my family play bluegrass and everyone has a really important role to play. And, uh, you know, I like being a part of a record no matter what, you know, no matter if I'm playing guitar or not. I don't right. really care, to be honest, you know. Hey, uh, you know what, Dan, and being uh, Nashville based and the ridiculous amount of live music that takes place in that town. Do you ever just pop out somewhere and go jump in with some people you might know and, and uh, gig a little bit for fun? Uh, not very often, to be honest. I mean, I go uh, lurk around at night sometimes, but um, I don't really bring my guitar with me. <laughs> lurking, lurking sounds a little, <laughs> a little weird. Are, 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 we, go, we, go, we go lurk in the shadows of the bar. <laughs> okay. I was not behind hedges and stuff like that. It's just regular nightlife. Where's uh, Jackie Bam Bam at? Is he in there? <laughs> no. Actually, he's, he's listening. You know, he does the uh, the 7 to midnight shift, but he stays up all night long working on his show for, the, for the following day. I yeah. guarantee you he's listening right now. Yeah, he's a vampire. He's a mummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your relationship with Jackie? He's my, uh, he's my father figure <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if there is a if there's another human on this planet that loves music as much as jackie bam bam mm. wait i know yeah. yeah the enthusiasm is very real yeah dan are you a, uh, a fan of ice hockey um i'm i'm trying to get into it okay we got a team here and I'm, i want to take my son yeah, uh, well, the Flyers were just there. The Flyers are not great this year, but every time I hear uh, the song Lonely Boy, uh, I associate it with you and your band because they, they, the Flyers did this thing called the Road to Winter Classic. Uh, this is probably a decade ago at this point, but they used Lonely Boy so well in that series, and now when I hear it, I just think about uh, this hockey montage. It was it was voiced. Uh, the, the narration on it was, was fantastic, and that song does show up in a lot of different pop culture, um, uh, you know, segments and, and different um, different places. Do you do you pay attention to when your own songs show up in different pop culture places, or does it is it just something where you're like, all right, you can license it, and then it, it is where it is? No, I just get pleasantly surprised. I guess you know, <laughs> I love I love that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I think it's that blows my mind when when uh, when teams play our music. I think that's. The coolest. It used to be such a weird thing because there was this all this, you know, everyone's sort of 
oh, yeah, your spot was in a commercial for you know a rental car or whatever. And and now there there seems to be none of that. You know, like there's not people don't automatically bristle at the notion of a band music ending up for a promotional thing. But I remember years ago it used to be <laughs> they sold out, man. <laughs> I know. Pusha T just did a diss song to McDonald's. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Yes, I was reading about that. He, yeah. What was his claim? He he claimed that he did the uh, was it loving it or. What was the, their jingle that he or that he created the hamburger? I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Dan, we're excited for a uh, whole host of new music from uh, from Black Keys, the eleventh studio album. Uh, Dropout Boogie is on May 13th. We're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the band performing. It's pretty damn cool. You can pre-order that, by the way, uh, dropoutboogie.com, I believe. Uh, so if you want to get on uh, ahead of time. And then, of course, you guys are coming to town uh, July 30th in Camden. So Black Keys, summertime we've show. Got a local band. we've got a local band, Ceramic Animal, opening for us. Oh, nice. excellent. Excellent. Philly band, come on. Yeah, love it, man. We'll, we'll bring the love. All right, Dan, thanks for checking in this morning, and uh, we'll we'll uh, tell Jackie Bam Bam, your dad, you said hi. <laughs> All right. And we'll, uh, you. we'll talk again down the road. Dan Arbach, guys. Yay! Black Keys on the President Steve Show. Shout out uh, Jackie like that. Yeah, totally. I didn't know they were uh, they were tight. I didn't see that coming at all. I can't believe what I just heard. <laughs> Blab them out. It's going to blow up with this. It's so wild how many rock stars. He knows everybody. Know Jackie. And it's like, I've met a lot of rock stars, too. Not one of them have any idea who I am. <laughs> Jackie just makes this impression. He yeah. Just, yeah. Absolutely. You, you got to love the guy. All right. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back in a moment. Bizarre File Stories are on the way when we return. Glad you Explain that Kiss selling its catalog is an entirely different kettle of fish than it is for other bands. While pitching his latest endeavor, which is a new vodka called Money Bag, uh, he was talking to Journal of Musical Things. Simmons was asked uh, if he and Paul Stanley would ever sell off their interest in Kiss. And he answered, Well, how much have you got? He said, Bob Dylan sold his stuff for 300 to 400 million. The problem, he said, and I love the guy and worship the ground he walks on. But his music isn't going to mean a lot to a 20-year-old. They don't care about the times they are changing or Maggie's Farm. They just don't. Very few pieces of music stand the test of time. Well, what KISS has that no other musical entity has is its trademarks. Our faces are bigger than the music, bigger than anything. Actually, I think he's right He's not off mark on that, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you can not necessarily know more than rock and roll all night... And, and still party wear, every day, and then and then wear a kiss shirt, right? You know, because it looks, it's got that look, it's got that it's iconic. Uh, yeah, exactly. You, so, you, best put, you can tune a fish, but you can't tune a piano. That's right. Oh wait, no, that's wrong. You can tune a piano, but you can't that's tune right. a fish. Oh. So he <laughs> he went on to explain. Uh, Bruce Springsteen just sold for five hundred million dollars. Yeah, and what you get is the music, not the imagery. I've never seen a Springsteen cartoon, comic book, or action <laughs> figures. Kiss is the only one. So, 
what you're buying into if anyone does the right price. So I would love to see a Springsteen Saturday morning Springsteen cartoon. cartoon. <laughs> you yeah. gotta get back to Monster Island. Yeah. <laughs> Monster Island? Yeah. He's with the He's got some sort of like wizard creature that floats in. <laughs> yep. That's right, buddy. I do one of your magical spells and get us back to Scary Cat Island. Uh, okay. So he said, if anyone does the right price, you're into buying the imagery that has stood the test of time. Our analogy is Santa Claus Superman. This is what uh, Santa's got to go. <laughs> this is what Gene Simmons is saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Santa's got to go. Santa Claus Superman. He says, Santa Claus Superman. Imagery that is trademarked so that no one can reproduce and no other musical act has that. So he's making a legitimate point. Yeah. Uh, when pressed as to whether Kiss could continue as a live act without him... Or I don't know. Santa's got to go. <laughs> ...or Stanley, uh, Simmons said, well, anything is possible. Did I think that there would ever be a Kiss cruise, the museum, and thousands of licensed products? No. Nothing is impossible. A few years ago, uh, producer Mark Burnett and I were pitching a TV show called Kiss the Next Generation, which was going to be kind of a competition show to find out who's worthy to wear the crown, who's got the stuff, the physicality and the ability to write the song. I think maybe there's money in like Kiss NFTs. Maybe. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the fan base mm -hmm. absolutely would uh, gravitate towards that. Regarding the health of the Kiss brand, uh, Gene went on to list the plans for 2022. I uh, said we're busy building the Kiss Museum in Las Vegas at the Rio Hotel, and we'd like to purchase a kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> I would go to the Kiss Museum. Oh yeah, I would absolutely go see those costumes and stuff. And the, and the instruments? My friend, would be really cool. Dwayne was out in Vegas. I think I, I mentioned the story on air, and, and uh, uh, Simmons was there with his art collection. He was walking around and hung out and talked to Dwayne, my friend. Wow. For, uh, he, he is, you know, this is the kind of thing they would do. They're such, you know, uh, showmen, and they love to interact with their fan base. That I mean, it'd be, it'd be a great experience. He said there's a KISS motion picture that's about to start filming, and there's going to be a cartoon show and other things. So KISS will continue to exist. Hey, she's serious. In very form, various forms. That's right. Let's get back to Super Cat Island. <laughs> like when the Globetrotters showed up on the yeah. He's Joanne Worley, Rony Martin's laughing, and Gene Simmons from KISS. Is that Mama Cass? <laughs> Bruce, did Phyllis Diller just show up? It's probably Phyllis Diller. She's got that crazy hair that she was known for. <laughs> It was a Molly Cass, Phyllis Diller, Laurel and Hardy, right? Yeah, yeah. they showed up. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. The Globetrotters, yeah. yeah. Did, Batman and Robin. Did, did Kiss Red Buttons? Oh, did Kiss ever I, th I think Kiss was on uh, the latter days of um, of Scooby, the more the more current ones, like when my kids were oh, younger. Absolutely. I don't doubt it, I yeah. think Kiss, I think there was a Kiss Scooby-Doo episode. If you could look yeah, that up. Is there? Scooby-Doo and Kiss, rock and roll mystery. Yeah. I was made for loving you. Yep, I stop thought and, so. Stop and think about, at the time, even when those Scooby-Doo cartoons were airing on Saturday morning television, kids didn't give a rat's ass about Joanne Worley and, and Ruth Buzzy and Don Knotts. Yeah. yeah. They, there were a couple of them I liked. Uh, the the Globetrotters I yeah. was excited about when they were on there. But, but yeah, some of those actors. Right. And I remember the Mama Cass one. Yeah. I remember it because she said she was eating nothing but grapefruit and they were all covered with uh, you know, ice cream. And, <laughs> yeah. and whipped cream. Like she was making fat jokes at herself. At her own expense. Uh, on that. But anyhow, uh, 
going on uh, back to this story, uh, he said that uh, the touring band should stop. He said, I'm 72, still have some hair, and I don't want to stay on stage too long. I've seen uh, so many bands I've liked, and what's missing now are wheelchairs. Uh, we have some self-respect. Go out on top, and that's what we're doing. So. Self-deprecating. I like that. Yep. I, I look forward to the day when I can see Gene Simmons do one of those walk-in bathtub uh, commercials. Oh, my God. That'd be it's, great. It's a gift from heaven, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> After years of lifting those huge shoes, I lost all feeling in my kneecaps, which makes taking a actual bath very problematic. You can't step up can't over step that. Up, but yeah, that's to get into the tub. Uh, it's walking right in. It's a beautiful thing. Craig Lagans texted me and said that Jerry Reed was a low for him as far as uh, Scooby-Doo wow. guests. I remember Jerry, Jerry Reed, Reed. as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. David Bowie Estate has sold the global music publishing rights for his entire song catalog to Warner, Warner Chapel Music. Uh, the deal comprises all of Bowie's music from 1968 through his 2016 death. No dollar amount for the purchase was announced. I had heard something floated around an amount. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it seemed it seemed low for Bowie's catalog. Okay, that it seemed like a, they they got it for a good price. Was it hundreds of millions? Because Springsteen's yeah. went for somewhere in the neighborhood of like five hundred million, which is like yeah. the most yeah. ever. Uh, the landmark deal includes Bowie's entire body of work, and that includes hundreds of songs spanning the iconic artist and songwriter's six-decade career, including trailblazers such as Space Oddity, Changes, Life on Mars, Ziggy Stardust, Starman, Rebel Rebel, Fame, Young Americans, Golden Years, Heroes, Ashes to Ashes, Modern Love, Let's Dance, Where Are They Now, and so on. So they can sell them, uh, then, obviously, for commercials and things of that nature, right? Yeah. So Golden Years could be Golden Grams. It could be. Oh. Golden Grams. Golden Grams. It's an underrated cereal. Uh, on, <laughs> I really, uh, okay, side note. <laughs> I would get, Nick, I would get Golden Grams, and I would just eat them as a snack. So yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you. They're oh, and that, say underrated. I mean, they're rated. And Golden Grams <laughs> used an, an old song in their camp. Those Golden Grams. Yeah. Old, that's, that's Golden Slippers. Yes, yeah. And uh, so they, they've been known to do that. So, Steve. Uh. Golden years. Carrying on a legacy. Could become golden Best grand. way to honor David Bowie. Sunday yeah. is uh, Philly Loves Bowie Week. Oh, really? Yeah. He has, he has a history here. Recorded yeah. Young Americans uh-huh. here. Yeah. And his uh, Golden Grams commercial. His events yeah. happening I'm in I'm David Bowie. <laughs> and I love Golden Grams. <laughs> Kill me. Sue me. I love Golden Grams. <laughs> so much better than Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> Why? Cinnamon Toast Crunch is, gonna, is the goat of all. It's David. Oh, oh shut. They are overrated. No. <laughs> no, it is the absolute goat of You're a fool. We don't have time. <laughs> David Bowie disagrees. He disagrees vehemently. Yeah. You are a fool. Um, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. We, we don't have time for another food discussion, maybe. Just crunch made of cinnamon. <laughs> it is the greatest full stop. Full stop. Full stop. Circle back. This is Major Tom to Rice Krispies. <laughs> All right, so on behalf of the David Bowie Estate and RZO attorney, Alan Grubman added... It's a bad name. We are truly uh, gratified. God, get him off the phone. Alan Grubman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. 
If you get to the office and you can't find me, just follow the slick. <laughs> Nobody call Alan anymore. Who's the Scientology guy? He sounds like that guy. Who's the Scientology guy? The dude who invented it. Oh. oh um, L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, yeah. L. Motion Picture. So anyhow... He said, we are truly gratified that David Bowie's body of music will now be in the capable hands of Warner Chapel Music Publishing. We are sure that they will cherish it and take care of it with the greatest level of dignity. Yeah. I'll tell you this. So we've had a couple of artists who have accrued, you know, massive catalogs. And they hit a certain point age-wise. They say, okay, now I'm yeah. going get, get to get, sell this. And then obviously maybe give money to family members and so on and so forth or whatever. Uh, Bowie didn't get to that. Right point, yeah. you know, right. and I think a lot of them sell it too because um, it's it's a lot of work hanging yeah. onto that stuff as well. I guess so too. Um, the management of it, yeah, yeah, yeah I can is, see that is work. And, and if, if they want to retire and they're done, they can take that and and settle in, and it's pretty much it. And that's why they, a lot of times they don't leave it uh, for other family members because it is more work, work. Yeah, that they're at they're they're giving them a response, so they'd rather go with a trusted. Uh, group that they that they know knows how to handle music. Take their cereal stuff. money and retire. Just leave. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Joel showed up to his first post-pandemic performance November fifth at Madison Square Garden, and apparently he lost about fifty pounds recently. Hey! I saw a picture of him. Yeah. He looks amazing. Yeah, and it was an unintended weight loss because he had back surgery. He said I had back surgery earlier this year. The pain afterward was so bad that I lost my appetite. And he said, I embraced that. He said, okay, I won't eat as much. And I ate less and less. And then there was just life uh, aggravation. Uh, and that tends to, you know, impact your appetite too. And ditching the pounds seemed to have a positive effect on his stage present. As the post-music critic Chuck Arnold reported of his Friday show, Joel, quote, displayed more energy and endurance bouncing around the stage to We Didn't Start the Fire, Uptown Girl, and is still rock and roll to me in the encore. Uh, but he said, if you're looking for Joel's weight loss tips, you'll probably strike out. Uh, in 2016, he told the Daily Mail, a guy on a diet is not a guy as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> okay. Well, he had a, what is he going to recommend? You get back surgery? He said, well, this is in 2016. Yeah, yeah. So right. He said, uh, I can even judge a woman I'm dating by how she eats. If she picks at her food, she's not going to be good in bed. Billy's a little, yeah, he's an odd character. Uh, he had a Jack Nicholson once said, the trouble with this country is all the guys with flat bellies. And he's right. There's nothing more icky to me than a woman going out with a man and he's picking at his food. Uh, it's unclear why Billy had the recent back surgery, but in 2010 he underwent a double hip replacement. Uh, he said the joint damage was most likely due to being born with his dysplasia and a crazy uh, acrobatic musical performances early in his career. Great. So either lost weight or he's addicted to pills. Nope, yeah. Right? No. One or the other. Yeah. He's always been very physical. You remember his incredible dancing in Uptown Girl. Uh, yeah, yeah. I looked up um, <laughs> the ticket prices. Yeah. Just because I was like, I would really love to yeah. see him again. I'd, and I'd like to go. He looks like, you know, he lost weight. Like, you know, whatever. Energetic show. It just, it just brought, because I saw this article. Yeah. Um... Five hundred dollars a ticket. God what? Per ticket, there were cheap ones for two hundred dollars per ticket, but it was behind the stage. Okay, so is it the entire garden that he's selling out, or if you're selling? Oh, yeah. he sells out. No, the whole, it's the whole thing. Kathy, are, so is general seating 
general ticket price is five hundred dollars a seat. So by the they're they're all sold out except for I looked like into April and um, there was nothing that the the only thing that was not behind the stage was the five hundred dollar ticket. Damn, this was April you were looking. I at? I was looking at April. All the shows prior to that are sold out. Oh my god. I know. That's crazy. He is just. And I really would love to see him rolling again, in it. But I'm not. I, I'm not paying five hundred dollars to get. I've seen him a number of times. There's gotta be. Say, I've seen him before. You know, is that worth it? it? Well, no, no he's no, great. It's, it's he's definitely five hundred dollars. If you're going to take at least one other person, yeah. it's a grand right a there. Thousand dollars to go to a concert? Come it's on. No, but at least like you get to stay in uh, New York for the night, and that room's going to be cheap. <laughs> 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 And then if you want to eat, right, right, yeah. glass of orange juice for seventy five dollars. <laughs> All right, so we're looking at so some so okay. There's oh, yeah, showing see, tickets. I didn't see that. I did not see that at all. Is there's that sixty five dollar tickets? Right is there. that are they available? Yeah, I don't know. you know what Billy though does, and I I call him Billy. Uh, <laughs> is, is that as you pointed out, Preston? He'll leave like the front two rows unsold so that he can bump people down from seats far away and put them up front throughout the show. Yeah. Oh, that happened to me. Oh, you were bumped up? Yeah. yeah we we were. Um, so I, I knew, I think he was his sound tech. Um, I went to the concert with a, a girl that I worked with, and her uncle or cousin or something was, was a sound tech. So he said, um, come before the show, and you can watch him warm up. And we were sitting there. We ended up not being able to see him warm up, and the guy felt so bad. And he said, um, you know, he does the, the whole first row. He said, wow. let me see if I can grab those tickets for you. And sure enough, we had to give him our tickets, and he swapped us out, and we were right for front row. That's amazing. Yeah. So how are you going to beat that now at this point? Yeah, yeah, and that was when he was he was drinking a lot, and yeah. uh, the guy told us he goes, "Watch, he has a red and a blue solo cup. One is I forget what his liquor of choice was. Vodka. It was maybe vodka, and yeah. then he, and the other one was water. And he said, "Watch, he only drinks out of the alcohol one." And, and he did. He never picked he's, up the water. That's Whoa. the night he's saying Uptown Squirrel. Right? No, and I did <laughs> also. Uptown Squirrel. One last. One last story no it was like that it was he left and he was coming back on for the encore and because we were in the first row we could see them there were people backstage he was coming out to do piano man yeah. there were people backstage literally pushing him onto oh, the stage wow. like he he was saying no i don't want to do it and they were like you have no choice you have to and they were pushing him onto the stage that's not good no it was it was in his drinking days for sure everybody up i believe in a white squirrel world and now I'm looking for a bag of scrap. Yeah. That's what I am. Thanks for remembering. <laughs> <laughs> And he's known as the angry young squirrel. And he's known as the angry young squirrel. And he's known as the angry With his nuts in his hand and his hair. <laughs> and he's never been able to Wait. learn how to bake. And he can't understand. We didn't start the squirrelies. <laughs> like the whole night. Yeah. I love squirrels. <laughs> I saw one driving over here. Yeah, all right. One last story, John Mellencamp revealed to uh, the Indianapolis Monthly that in addition to recently recording, he and Bruce Springsteen actually painted together. 
He said, Bruce and I have done two paintings together. This is my ass, and this is a smoke coming out of the chimney, and this is me and my family holding hands, uh, and that's a D. He said, we have a... That's a turkey. I made it with my hands. <laughs> he said, we have a painting uh, that we worked on for two days straight. Yeah. Uh, he said he painted one side, I painted the other. That's the whole. And he also said Bruce had never painted at all, and he was really good, really into it. Have he's, you seen any of Melancholy stuff? stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's it's he's really good. Yeah, he's accomplished. I can now, he looks better. I don't know if he does like you know realistic stuff or right. not, but he he definitely does some some cool impressionistic. Yeah, yeah, it might be considered impressionistic. Excess paint, and it blends all this together. Yeah, this is. <laughs> There we go. There we go. Even we're painting mountains as you know. We always want the top of the mountain to be more distinct than the bottom of the mountain. Because at the bottom, we have mist, and now we have wonderful pollution. So before I knew that I had ASMR, right. and I was a teenager, I would sit there with Bob Ross on, you know, smoking yeah. herb and, and just sit there and Get just lost. absolutely zone out into it and have no idea why I liked him so much. Did you ever... Um Get inspired to attempt to paint along with him? Oh God, no. Okay, I'm t- I, I have no artistic ability whatsoever. I had, as at, at a younger age, I had tried. I had a yeah. friend who uh, who was a decent artist, and he gave me a canvas. And uh, I had Steve. There was a house with chimney coming out of it, and Daisy and the family. I mean, it was just terrible. It was a horrible <laughs> curly smoke coming oh, out. Yeah, 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 just bad. The, the sun in the yeah, corner, yeah, you know, the lines the, coming out. Yeah, yeah. With the rays coming out. You can't see the whole sun, but it's a quarter. Uh, anyhow, he said uh, he was. He said about Bruce. He said I was surprised at how hard he tried. Uh, he was like, "How do you do this, John? How do you make this, this is work?" Terrible. Uh, we're trying to. It stinks. I can't draw. <laughs> Why did you make me do this? I don't want to do it. This is stupid. He's <laughs> like a little kid. I can't draw. This is stupid. I tried to draw a cat. Why did you make me do this? God damn it. He just starts stamping in that. Don't the, want that. In one spot. Play with a ball. Stupid paint. He would say. I told you I don't want to do this. He would say, hey, John, how do you do this? How do I make this work? It's stupid. He said, we're trying. It doesn't look like anything. I, 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 I'm not good. No, you are. I'm not. No, you are. I don't like this. Trust me. It looks good. It's not that bad. It's <laughs> <laughs> on a tantrum. Yeah. He's rather... <laughs> You'd rather go outside and play. Yeah. You've never done this before. Cut yourself some slack. I can't. <laughs> I'm stupid. You're not stupid, Bruce. You're just stupid. You just need to work a little harder. Be. I want I want some milk. <laughs> okay, we'll do it. We'll go get some milk and then we'll try this again right. later. Okay. Uh bring it in the purple cup. John. <laughs> hey, that's important to a kid. Uh, of yeah. course. Uh, he said, we're trying to, to figure out how to sell it and give the money to charity. Uh, he said, but I was proud of him. Huh. Uh, he went after it. Do I get a gold star? Very you, proud of you. I know, but you don't like it because you didn't put it on the refrigerator. <laughs> so you say things that are not true. <laughs> oh my God. If you liked it a lot, you would put it on the refrigerator and you did. I'm bringing it. And then work. you make me feel stupid. <laughs> I was so busted that oh, it was wow. from the refrigerator to the trash can. What? <laughs> Why is this in here? I was like, oh, my. that was a mistake. I don't 
off with some of the other stuff. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. You. I keep Liar. that stuff. Kathy throws it away. Jace, come over to my house. We'll appreciate it. It's funny. All right, and there you go. That's what I have in the, uh, not the bizarre file. God, what is wrong with it's me? Right. You're stupid. You're so stupid. I can't host a radio show. I can't say, say stupid things at wrong times. I'm not good at this. It's okay. You are good. You're in the Hall of Fame. Uh, we'll be in the Hall of Fame. We'll be in the Hall of Fame. Not yet. Uh, we're done with music news. <laughs> Why don't we take a break? Come back in a second. Stay with us. Yep. If you like what you hear, you can see it too. Check out Preston and Steve's Daily Rush on PrestonandSteve.com. Podcasts? Oh yeah, MMR's got them. There's the Fun Size and Bizarre File editions, along with Preston and Steve full show podcasts, plus the MM Archives podcast and more. Click podcasts on WMMR.com. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve show podcast. We're excited to have our next guest back in our studio. Last time he was here, he was promoting uh, Knives Out this time around. Uh, it's the sequel to that film, a Knives Out mystery titled Glass Onion. You got a case? There we go. Thank you. Please welcome Ryan Johnson to our show this morning. Sorry, I, I had a last second audible on the song. I'm like, do we have Glass Onion from the Beatles? we got to get that on right now. Nice to see you, Ryan. Uh, so, it makes me so happy to be back. I had such a good time last time. I walked Excellent. in. I was just like, ah. Oh. <laughs> We're glad you had a good memory. Yeah. We have pizza, all kinds of That's stuff. Right. <laughs> so with that song that we, we led into, that that actually obviously it was as part of your psyche as you're putting together the movie. How how uh, how much of a sway did the Beatles' influence have over your decisions in the movie? Uh, it's pretty huge. And if it, any Beatles nuts who watch the movie, you keep your eyes really peeled because we planted a ton of little oh. Beatles Easter eggs. Yay! <laughs> I tell you what, Knives Out was so sensational. I've seen it so many times. There's uh, this genre in particular... I, I I don't know anyone who can't get amped up for for a, a murder mystery with a with a cast of characters. One of them is guilty, maybe multiple parties are guilty. It's like again, it goes back to my take on horror movies. Even even bad ones are good. You're doing state of the art, top level ones, which makes them so fantastic. Um, this has always been a, a, a big love of you of yours, genre wise, since the beginning. Correct? Yeah. This was. I mean, that, all of this comes from me having memories of watching those old Agatha. The Christie movies like uh, Death on the Nile and Murder on the Orient Express, sitting around the, the TV with my family watching those and just thinking, this is the best thing ever, and wanting to do that, but like set it like in the modern world. That's well, kind of the whole premise. The, the great thing is also, and, and uh, with uh, the reviews are sensational for the movie, by the way, um, uh, is that um, they, the ones that are done right, and as you did with Knives Out, they employ humor they, they, because the situation itself lends itself to that. And, um, all the reports back, and I watched a number of interviews with the cast and so on and so forth, that uh, they really loved that this is a, a little bit more infused with humor than perhaps Knives Out was. Yeah, our, our philosophy with these movies is we want the audience to be having such a good time, they forget they're supposed to be solving the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, you, but like with Knives Out, you kept the meticulous nature of... See, I, and we, I think we talked about this last time. It's such a letdown when... Um, it, there hasn't the architecture of the the plot hasn't really been thought out, you know. And sometimes we'll just phone it in at the last. Yeah. The way everything wrapped up in knives out was so perfect. And so uh, I have to ask you: Do you do you 
start with the conclusion and retro-write it, or how do you go through the process? Kind of. I have a really weird process. I spend the first 80% of writing working in little notebooks, just drawing out, like, almost like architecture, like the structure of the story. Right. So I've got to have the roadmap in front of me before I sit down. The la- very last thing I do is I sit down and I type out the script. At that point, I've got the whole thing kind of planned out like a blueprint in my head. How many times from the time that you finish that to, I mean, this would seem to be a kind of a hard movie to call an audible on the the set and say we're going to change it because you have to <laughs> be surprised really it, ha- it happens really? yeah yeah it happens and on this one in particular there was one thing that was a small thing but the small thing in this uh, this type of movie becomes a big thing <laughs> that someone brought up to me and i was like oh dang <laughs> yeah oh, was it a continuity no it was like a logic thing with the mystery thing and that ha- and that's your nightmare by the way on the set of these movies is anytime an actor's coming up to you, you think this is going to be the question that unravels the entire thing. Oh, my God, that's luckily right. that didn't have, it, it, I think it's, this has the same pleasure as the first one, I hope, where, where it feels really satisfying at the end because we put a lot of work into making sure the mystery all holds together. Who, who do you turn to when, you, when you're in that, that storyboard process when you're getting this together and, and yeah. eventually you have your, you have your, your linear path and this is going to go from A to B? Um, once you have it all written out, who, who do you trust to, to go through that and go make sure that... Uh, that you covered all your bases because no matter how you uh, uh, you test things until you beta test it and throw it out there, you're like, oh my god, we, we didn't think of that. <laughs> how did I miss that? How did yeah. I miss that? You know? Yeah, I've got I've got a couple of really good writer friends that are really close to me who aren't going to BS me, and so um, yeah, I got two friends, Dan and Stacy Sheridan. They're like the first people I show any script to, and a couple other good buddies. And I think that's what you got to do. You got to show it to friends who aren't going to yeah yeah you, but who are actually going to say yeah, this still needs work. And did they find it? anything when, uh, yeah, in this I mean, particular one? I mean, I think it's, it's less about, like, finding mistakes in the mystery. It's more about this, the middle of this is boring. Okay. Or I don't really care about this character. Or you know, It's story stuff. And, that, again, that's kind of the whole thing in this movie is, is hopefully they work as just really fun movies right. uh, uh, first and foremost. I wanted to ask as a uh, as a fan, as a, as a fan of, of actors and what they do, when you have an ensemble cast, because obviously both of these films have incredible ensemble cast. Stellar. And you're getting people together that maybe haven't, uh, they're maybe just meeting for the first time, yet they're these big, well-known stars. Do you sometimes sit back and just kind of watch that and go, (laughs) watch their personal interactions? (laughs) Not not the work part, but the personal thing and go, wow, this is really happening over here. Well, we would, I mean, we shot the first half of the movie in Greece, second half in Belgrade in Serbia. And it was during the Delta surge, so we were all really locked down in the hotel together. So to blow off steam on the weekends, we would rent out the rooftop bar and we would go up there with the whole cast and play murder mystery games. Oh my God, that'd be awesome. We played Mafia, or some people call it Werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and so it, it that was amazing to watch this cast of actors, uh, you know, who were in this murder mystery all get super drunk together and play mafia together. <laughs> the dynamics were fascinating. Who was, who was really good at it? You know, uh, Kate Hudson and Leslie Odom Jr. took it really seriously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Janelle Monet, she would show up. I don't know how she did it. She would show up in full costumes, like Sherlock Holmes cape and like fake mustache <laughs> and pipe. She would have created a detective character and she would stay oh. in character. for. The- she was just amazing. So it's, it's like you get a group of actors together to blow off steam. They're, they're going to act. It's uh, wild that, that that happened this way during, uh, you know, the, the, the Delta surge. I've heard, I'm a massive Bond fan, loved uh, Daniel Craig, and, um, you know, obviously, this is a new series for him, a new six, hopefully, you know, it's the second film, I don't want to pressure you, uh, but um, the uh, the legend is, is that when you're on set, 
uh, and Daniel Craig is an actor like he was with the Bond movies, he throws these parties. Oh, yeah. And did that? Okay. <laughs> Leave the legends. <laughs> yeah. So how, how ornate and how uh, wonderful were they? Oh, so, so the first day that we were, like, because we started in Greece, you can just imagine, like, Everyone he invited everyone over to like his the house he was renting like, right. on the ocean for like a cocktail party. Wow. It felt like a scene from <laughs> the Bond movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> it was, yeah. So uh, no, he's. I mean, it. It. You know, they say that it all comes from the top, and I think Daniel being kind of the anchor of all of these casts, I think, is a huge part of the reason we've had such a good time. He's, he's so talented. The, the Benoit character is so um, is so great, uh, and. Uh, but again, you have all these different high power. You have uh, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Dave Bautista, uh, Kate Hudson, <laughs> Ed Norton. Yeah. Now, Ed Norton, we've heard, and I, I love Ed Norton, but Ed Norton is um, is very precise and, and likes to give his input to directors that he feels aren't up to the task. I can't imagine <laughs> he had that situation with you. No, we, we had the time of our lives. Oh, know, that's and, great. And we, we were like two kids playing in a sandbox together. It's just, I, I love Edward so much. <laughs> we he's so a, good. He's yeah. so funny in the movie. He and he's He's playing kind of like a tech billionaire, and he has so much fun with the part just roasting that type of person. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah no, we, we had a blast, man. Uh, and even um, Daniel Craig's choices as an actor in the beginning of the movie are like, wait a second, this isn't the same guy that I remember from Knives Out. And then, uh, you know, you, you, you sort of start to understand why. And it wasn't, you know, my, uh, my wife, my daughter. <laughs> my daughter and I. We're not touching that with a Me neither. Me neither. My daughter and I were discussing this when we saw the film on, on, um, on Monday. We were discussing on the way home. And that's when I was able to sort of dissect for her, yeah. you know, like the difference in, in the character. And it's the same person. But, you know, yeah. you know why those choices were made. He's doing everything in it for a reason. That, that's part of the fun of this movie. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but it's, it's almost made to be seen a second time more than ever. Like, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that you'll see a second time and realize, oh, that's why he's doing this. Oh, that's why that, yeah, hopefully that's awesome. that'll be satisfying. Uh, if you're just jumping in, it's uh, director Ryan Johnson, uh, who's here, and uh, it's a Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery that we're talking about. To the precision of what you were just talking about, here's a review that says, another masterful murder mystery from Ryan Johnson, just like his first film, Glass Onion, will warrant multiple viewings, as you just said, to fully soak in the wild amount of precision and passion that went into the filmmaking um i mean you obviously make films for the audiences but it doesn't hurt seeing reviews like that right i mean that's nice the best thing though and i'm, I'm looking for the screen tonight but i'll tell you if you can see this movie in a theater with a crowd yeah um it's a really fun ride I, it is so, so and that's the thing Mur- murder on the orange express i remember seeing the original version yeah. in the theater yeah you know sean connery everybody in that guy and the blast. audience was dialed I in it. yeah and we were laughing i mean I like yeah. the, the the crowd that i was watching with we were laughing it's not a comedy yeah but it is there are very funny <laughs> points that aren't forced i'm like this is this is like legit funny and and just yeah. a very you know subtle jabs and, and stuff that's what you try for you try for humor not from like sticking jokes in it but just because the situation or the character is funny. Yep, that's, that's the, the best. Yeah. yeah, You have a very um, interesting um, uh, issue with this film. Not an issue, I should say. It was kind of an honor. You have cameos from two giants uh, who uh, have since passed. It's, it's gotten out in the news, so yeah, everyone, yeah, yeah, everyone sure. sort of knows. And they are... Angela Lansbury and Stephen Sondheim. Right, two huge, wow. huge heroes, people. Heroes of mine, yeah. yeah. How, how did you, how did you um, successfully orchestrate that? We just approached them, and I don't, it's, it's just a tiny little cameo in the movie. It's just like one little really fun moment, but um, I'm so, I mean, they're two heroes of mine. I'm grateful they're in it, but more 
more than that. I'm grateful because when I filmed the cameos with them, I got like you know ten minutes with each of them, and just just the fact that I was able to tell both of them like what their work meant to me. I mean, that's, that's yeah the biggest. Thing. But yeah, we just reached out. I mean, Stephen Sondheim, I guess, had seen the first one. He's a big murder mystery nut, and so he was into it. And Angela Lansbury was so like generous and patient and i came over to her house with my laptop and it was it was pretty great did she so we would kind of just recorded some stuff and did she have any idea i mean she had she gotten the script or no i don't think she read the script she there's i don't want to spoil it but she's well i'll spoil what the heck she's (laughs) in the game she's like playing a video supposed to be playing a video game okay (laughs) in the movie and she's not angela lansbury was not a gamer she was many things (laughs) that's a shock that's a shock she's on a call of duty but she was so sweet she was just like like, you know what? This is not my thing, but you just talk me through it and let me know. And she was Aww. she was so lovely. Well, you're getting a papal blessing from yeah. uh, the murder she wrote. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. So um, you were talking about watching the movie again for just to catch things that maybe you didn't catch the first time and little Easter eggs. I, I want to watch it again because the set was so beautiful. Mm. I mean, just so many aspects of it. The Glass Onion itself was just... Gorgeous. I, I mean, and just breathtaking. And uh, you know, so I I would like to do that again. I mean, just yeah. you know, the the um when they sit down for dinner, uh, you know, the, that whole room. And you know, can you talk about the set design? Yeah, my, so our production designer Rick Heinrich, he did uh, the Star Wars movie that I made. We we worked with him on well, that. that little indie film. That little, yeah. thing, that little thing. It was in a few theaters. Uh, but the he's he's re- he and, and he did a bunch of movies with Tim Burton. So he's really good at doing really nuanced, artful design, but on a huge scale, which is kind of what we needed for this movie because the lead character is a tech billionaire. He's going to yeah. do everything huge. So, yeah. And there's sort of, the, and you said, the tech billionaires, and, and so there's there's a uh, a sort of a light social commentary that, that runs its way through it, which is, you know, and I love as you talk about humor shouldn't be sledgehammered. Yeah. This shouldn't be sledgehammered no, as well. Yeah. Everyone gets where you're going. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just a, a solid murder mystery and you know that's just a this is a crowd pleaser you you mentioned stephen sondheim being a fan is anyone else of of that ilk or that level uh uh, let you know what a fan they are of of what you're doing with these films boy if they are please reach out (laughs) (laughs) you're not gonna find them in philly yeah 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 no i uh, yeah yeah no i've I've gotten some really nice notes from really really some some of my heroes yeah any mystery writers that you yourself are uh well, I, I mean, uh, this all comes from me loving Agatha Christie, but yeah. recently I've discovered John Dixon Carr. If anyone was a mystery nut, I'd, I'd encourage you to go explore some of his books. Right, he, right. he had a great detective named, named Gideon Fell, who's a total jerk and really funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, John Dixon Carr, I'd, I'd look him up. Very cool. For a good mystery. You also brought up uh, that independent Star Wars movie that you did <laughs> that was in a few theaters. And, and I was, I'm curious, Ryan, if you uh, watched uh, She-Hulk. Uh, no, I haven't yet. A friend of mine wrote on it. I've got queued. I have so much stuff lined up. I'm I don't sure. watch Andor yet. I've got Andor piling up. I oh, keep it's hearing great. it's fantastic. You're gonna like it. Is, if, I if you like, wait. Yeah. If you liked Rogue One, uh, it's, yeah. it's just very much in that vein. Uh, but the season finale, if and when you watch She-Hulk, I uh, heard about this. Okay, so <laughs> it just it made me think of you, and and I, it also made me think of like Kevin Smith and just people essentially being dicks to be dicks about pop culture stuff. And it, and and I'm, you got a ton of it for Last Jedi. I happen to love the movie. If you don't, I, I get it. But like. It's it's just interesting. It, it's for me. Yeah. It's new Star Wars stuff that I'm alive to watch and enjoy. And Andor's the same way. And Mandalorian. And and I love the the three movies, including the one that you did. So I don't care if, <laughs> if you, the listener, don't like it. I liked it. You know. And t- yeah. so it's just interesting to me to see how people take it 
so damn seriously. Well, look, I, I grew up as a Star Wars fan, you know, and I grew up just as a kid. The whole deal was you argue with your friends on the playground, well, you liked it, and then, like, and man, I was in my 20s when the prequels come out. You want to talk about arguing? You want to yeah. talk about Absolutely. bad reactions? Yeah. Yeah. So, for me, it's part of the Star Wars experience, and I think the key is people like different things, people dislike different things. That's all a great part of the fan base. I think there's a there's a toxic element of that can, that yeah. can slip in and turn into abuse online, and that we gotta, Wait, we gotta stamp the hell let out. Let me ask you about that. Yeah. Should the tact be to not give that oxygen? Because no, I'll see, no, you gotta uh, shut it down. Because uh, I'll, I'll down. see promotional, yeah. like, the, 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 they'll put all this effort into getting these tweets that might not ever have been seen. Totally. Big coverage. And, and it, to me, that almost seems antithetical. You're actually satisfying the beast by doing that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Look, I, I think we're all feeling our way through it, but I think there's a real feeling right now where, because I'll tell you, my experience with the Star Wars fan base has been so positive yeah. and so lovely. The best fans in the world and just so much positivity. And so I know what an exception to the rule that small group of yes. and I'm not talking about who liked the movie or didn't like the movie I'm right. talking about toxic I'm talking about abuse right, yeah, right. different yeah. thing, different thing. Right. so um, no and I, I think though all these fan bases are slowly realizing you know what it's not enough to just ignore this stuff you've got to make it clear to everybody that this is not welcome in our community right. and this is not who we are again not, to shun it and push it out not like or dislike no this targeting is not about people what and, and yeah. raging yeah. well the girl who played Rose yeah, you know, 100%. for instance, uh, you know, yeah. they, you know, she had taken a, a ton of abuse, and yeah. and I wasn't down with that at all. And first of all, I loved her character, but uh, yeah, um, I want to ask about uh, what I think might be the greatest television show of all time, and you have a, a fingerprint on that, and that is Breaking Bad. And you directed three, I think, of of the best episodes that came out: Fly, uh, Fifty One, and Ozymandias. So. This time, one month ago, I was in Albuquerque, and so so these guys allowed me to drive across the country um, and do it in live check-ins on the show, and I ended up in Albuquerque, and I knew that I was going to drive past Walter White's house. I knew that I was going to do that, but as I was driving there, I was thinking, I wonder if the car wash is actually in Albuquerque as well. And then I looked to my left, and I, there was a car and wash. There was it. And, I, and I went and got the car wash there. And it was, it, for me, I was so, I, I think that was the most excited I was for the entire trip was just being in that area because, it, I mean, the show was just, I think, perfect. Um, it was phenomenal. How did you end up um, directing any of the episodes? Well, Vince Gilligan, you know, it was, it was, it's his show. He had seen my first movie, Brick, which was this kind of weird little indie detective movie. Mm -hmm. um, and he liked it. He gave me, he gave me a call. And, and so we just stayed in touch. And, and yeah, I, man, I felt so lucky to get to be, be ride that bus for a couple of stops. And you got yeah. two of the episodes in, in the final season. I still can't believe that. Yeah, <laughs> I still can't believe it. And I, didn't, I tried not to leave any fingerprints on it. I tried to be a thief in the night and just kind of deliver it, you know. And and uh, try, just tried to get what was on the page that was so good up there on the screen. You know, it's, it's, it's always interesting uh, in that case. I think when you're called into something that has, a, um, you know, the, the legend precedes it. Um, and as a, as a good director, and obviously you're a phenomenal director, um, you want to come in and serve that plot, but also put a little bit of you in it. And finding that balance between both, is that difficult? Not, I mean, I don't actually. I, I, even with my own, you don't, I, don't, you don't, I don't think it's healthy to sit down and think, how do I get my stamp or my personality? Right, right. It's got to all just be about telling the story the best you can. Mm -hmm. Now, in doing that, it's almost like speak, with your speaking voice, you have your natural accent from where you grew up. Right. Very naturally, your voice is going to come through because it's you telling it. But you don't give any 
purposeful thought to it. This is my kind of shot I do or something. It's, it's natural. It's going to yeah, come through anyway. You just try and tell the story as best you can. I, oh, think, yeah. one of our, I know Nick Murphy is a massive fan of this, as am I. Looper is a, I love the movie. You worked with Bruce Willis. Um, since then, we've heard uh, about his health and, and, and issues. Have, have you had any chance to communicate with him? Or? I haven't. I haven't directly, no. Yeah. No, but, um, God, I had such a good time with him. He was so sweet and wonderful when we made Looper, and he just worked so hard on that part. And He's phenomenal. He's when he, so when he was doing promotion yeah. for it, yeah. you could see how proud he was of the movie. Yeah, rightly so. He, he, his performance in that movie is so good. And I had such a good time working with him, and yeah, my... my Heart goes out to yeah. his family. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to hear you t- talking about how nice these people are. <laughs> yes. Yes, seriously, yeah. it, was, it, was yeah, it was great. It was great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, yeah. We, we, you know, we, we do a little entertainment segment where we, you know, run through what's going on in Hollywood. And it's just littered with stories and, and lately of uh, people reporting, uh, you know, what a jerk that person was. It yeah. was really hard to work with that person 20 years ago, and they're finally starting to to say these things. It's refreshing to hear that. Everybody's having a good time there's with Ryan good, Johnson. There's good, there's good people. Yeah, yeah. I, try, I try and create an environment on my set where you, you have to really want to be a jerk to be a jerk on my set. <laughs> <laughs> you have to really put a lot of work into it. Yeah. My guess is you, would, you wouldn't suffer it quick for long, though, no, right? but yeah. not. It's not like I like. You know, have to have like a heavy fist or something. You just I, I create an environment where everybody feels good. Everyone feels. Supported. You don't have a writing crop as you're directing it on. Nah, not yet, not <laughs> yet, he yeah. actually reminds me of Nick Murphy yeah. Yeah. quite a bit. Who's this guy? Yeah, whatever. You okay? <laughs> Everybody good? We're good. Oh Everybody's man, yeah, good, good, good. good. That's yeah. what he. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Be nice. Be kind. Work yeah. together. Until it's time yeah. to not be, be nice. Dalton Totals in Roadhouse. Is Joseph Gordon-Levitt awesome? Because I love him as an actor. So it's funny. We we've you know we've stayed really good friends since Looper, and I always find a way to work him in. In Glass Onion, he's got a little like voice thing that he does. He's the hourly dong. This one. He's dong. He's dong. There'll be nothing to you. Now you have to see the movie just to figure out what we're talking about. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Bong. That's great. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I'm making my first TV show, actually. I'm making this show with Natasha Leone. Oh, oh she's great. Face. It's coming out the beginning of next year. It's kind of like a, a Rockford Files, Columbo, like, case of the week, like, her solving crime. I love like, those. I love it. Sunday so night mystery movies. You'd have Columbo. Rock, uh, uh, um, um, um. Magnum P.I., Rockford oh. Files. Oh, Kojak. Uh, who was McMillan he? And McMillan and Wife. McMillan and Wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. McLeod, yeah. uh, who was basically a, a Coogan's bluff, that character. There was a slew of them. A ton of them. And yeah. they, they were cranking out. All right, let me ask you this, my yeah. wife and I, and I think I, I can bring your expertise to this conversation. <laughs> uh, like a fight that you had with your... Okay. I state, for the record, that, um, uh, that uh, Columbo Mysteries... For me, the big joy is you know who did it. You know, you know. The trick is watching him ensnare. Yeah. She says she prefers the ones where you don't know who did it. And there were some of those yeah. until the end. Yeah. Do you, acclaimed mystery director, <laughs> agree with me or my wife? Well, I'm making both because the movies are you don't know who did it. I right. mean, like Glass right. Onion, Knives Out. The show I'm making is the Columbo style of How Did It, where we show the killer at the beginning and it's yeah. about Natasha. Tra- and that for a TV show I like because that means you don't have to spend your time getting to know a slew of suspects. You can concentrate on the relationship between the detective and the killer. And I still, I mean, look, I'm a Columbo nut. I, yes. I found it so satisfying seeing Thank that. you. 
that, for that, endorsing that, 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 my opinion. You're both right. 100%. You're both right. I took sides here. Where are we going to watch this? Which, uh, uh, this is going to be on Peacock. Poker Face is going to be on Peacock, and I don't think there's a date yet, but it's the beginning of next year. Yeah. Love it. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt did that. Oh, now. so he's in an episode yeah. of it. That's the other fun thing. Every episode is like its own little movie with a guest star who's okay. the killer. That's I mean, right. It's, it's totally it really and, and Joe plays one of them in one of the episodes I directed. Oh, so so what's uh, Natasha Leone's story? Is she the is she the detective? She, yeah, she's. Okay. I don't want to give it too, too much. She's not okay. actually a copper detective in it. It's a little bit like Murder She Wrote, where she's oh, just okay. a person who has a specific gift where she can tell if people are lying or not. Poker and she, face. Poker face. Uh-huh. And she ends up solving crimes. And then okay. another actor that we all love, Tim Blake Nelson. Is oh in my episode? god, he's in it. He's so good, man. Yeah, he's, he's so great. Talented. Yeah, we yeah. we had a great conversation with him. He stopped by, <laughs> and he looked. He walked in the studio like oh, a morning show. <laughs> yeah. And at by the end of the interview, I'll never forget what he says. He goes, now don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> he goes, but that was surprisingly substantive. <laughs> and I was like, that's a great compliment. I know what Thank he means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, with uh, with this being released, uh, with uh, Glass Onion being released on Netflix, I, I don't know the specifics. Is it exclusively uh, or is it no, going to so run in theaters we're going to do well? a special thing in Netflix. I'm so happy Netflix is doing this. But, um, it, one week on Thanksgiving, we're going to put it into theaters. And this is the first time they're working with like AMC and Regal and Cinemark and putting it into those chains. So it's going to have a one week run. Tickets are um, on tickets on sale now. <laughs> but you can actually buy your tickets now for Thanksgiving. Go watch it. We, we, we yeah. almost, yeah. Uh, as a family, almost always end up at a theater yeah. right, at, right at Thanksgiving. Absolutely. And this is, I mean, and I feel like I've suddenly turned into a pitch man. I'm oh, sorry, but this is a great movie I watched with your family. This is true. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly uh, Knives Out was not anything, you know, unless you're hypersensitive. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely a family could watch that. Oh, no, I, I, uh, that's the other thing. Because, like I said, my memories are watching those movies I grew up with with my family. Right. I really aim with these to give it. It's PG-13, and it's something that it's, you know, it's not too intense, I think. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's made to be watched with the whole family. I love this. Um, love this. Going back to Knives Out, uh, because I have to bring this up. I don't really have to, but I want to. Um, <laughs> Anna Darmus. Oh, my God. <laughs> Casey has a crush. <laughs> uh, she's, yeah, she's perfection. I, yeah, I don't know if I could ever work with her because I just, I wouldn't be able to, I think. I would be so worried. Like, I just would want her to like me as a person. You're, you're right, right? You, Do you like me? <laughs> yeah. Do you like, like me? Don't be creepy. Don't be creepy. Don't be creepy. Um, but she just seems um, like she's just perfect. She's I, amazing. Yeah. You know, it's wild. And she got she. So she's this more, you know, sort of um, awkward person in Knives Out at, yeah. with Daniel Craig. And then in the final Bond movie, she gets to play that seductress spy, kick-ass mm-hmm. badass mm-hmm. with Daniel Craig. So yeah. he's, he's seen multiple sides of her capabilities. She says it right now. She's playing Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's hey, crazy. You, um, I also saw on your IMDb. You got another Knives Out um, sequel coming up. Well, yeah, I got to write it. You guys got any ideas? Oh, I'm an idea. <laughs> Here's what you do. But no, wait. I mean, Daniel and I, we have look, we have so much fun doing. This. You can probably tell we have yeah. a lot of fun making these movies. And for me, what's exciting is you know this movie. It's Daniel as a detective. But other than that, it's a whole new deal, new cast, new mystery, new setting, everything. Yeah. Like a new Agatha Christie book. So it's not a continuation of the last one. I remember. I mean, that's what's exciting going forward. It is. Yeah. Will you do, so with Agatha Christie, you had Hercule Perot, you had all the different, you know, yeah. all, uh, all the different uh, characters that populated her books. 
um, uh, would would you keep um, add additional characters and keep it under the Knives Out umbrella as well? Or I don't think or, so. Or just, I mean, or, yeah. yeah. No, to me, to me, it's not about like creating some like umbrella or franchise. To me, right. it's just movie by movie. I just want I just sit down and want I want to make a great movie. Well, it's <laughs> clearly working. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, wonderful. We'll, we'll look for that release uh, coming up in around Thanksgiving, and then uh, it will be out on Netflix in December. Correct? Uh, uh, yes, December yes. on Netflix. We'll see it in the theaters. Right? Yeah, but yeah. go see it in the see theaters it both. for sure. Yeah, see it both. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ryan, great to talk to you again. Unsurprisingly, substantive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. Thank you, Ryan Johnson. Yay! On the show, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. Uh, Kelly Ripa will be joining us when we get back. Stay down. Wait, what they? Where was that place, Preston? And Steve said that guy did that thing that one time. Uh, don't bother your friends. If you missed something on the Preston and Steve show, the daily podcast and the YouTube stream are posted on PrestonandSteve.com every day after the show for just such occasions. It's always there and always free. And that is until the internet breaks and we've got bigger problems. Now, WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Bizarre Files. And this edition of the Bizarre File brought to you by Primo Hoagies. Get a Primo deal on gift cards this holiday season. Buy a $25 gift card and get a $5 bonus card. Or buy a $100 gift card and get a $25 bonus card. This Christmas, make it Primo. Okay, I had to ask Casey about this. All right. Uh, and Nick would have known uh, better than I. And Casey said he just recently found out about it, although it's been a bit of a tradition for a little while. Uh, I wish Bill Weston was in here because the Buffalo Bills had an unexpected situation on their hands during their match against the uh, Patriots on Saturday when a dildo appeared in the yes. end zone Again. after yeah. the opponent scored a touchdown. Yeah, it's, it's multiple times that the dildo showed up. And it has become a thing yeah, now. Our buddy uh, Chris Long, our new buddy Chris Long, and Bo Allen were talking about it on their podcast over the weekend. It was great. Uh, Bills fans are known for throwing dildos on the field <laughs> when they play against the Patriots. Quickly, oh, hand yes. me that dildo. And it's become somewhat of a tradition. Bill was there. Yes, he I was. I was curious if he saw the whole thing. It began five seasons ago when a fan tossed the sex toy into the end zone at Highmark Stadium. The fan favorite tradition was revived during the third quarter on Saturday when the Bills had already pulled well ahead. Footage captured uh, Bourne angrily pointing out the dildo <laughs> uh, and to the referee, and uh, a moon was uh, a moon. A meme was instantly born. It says "boom," a meme, and I skipped the word. Boom. <laughs> no, of course, uh, meme was instantly born. Of course, the activity was not appreciated by the venue and probably not the players either. The stadium PA soon after issued a reminder. Not to throw objects on the field. Wasn't there a dildo promotion? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, side judge Keith Washington was eventually seen kicking the fake penis out of bounds. Bill Weston, man about town, is indeed here in our studio. Bill, did you see it when it happened? I, I was in the, I was like on the twenty yard line and I saw it go down there. I knew exactly what it was. Really? <laughs> Look, the dildo. That's... Oh my! Of course, it's going to be. Yeah. Well, I don't know if the cameras did. The cameras, like, cameras got yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, or at least. Uh, cell phone footage, uh, got it. Yes, so. and I think it was like three or four years ago when Brady owned the Bills and Brady scored a touchdown, and that was the first one. Did, did your story reference the, the uh, first uh, one? Yes, that so is. It's been a couple times. That it's been a yeah. few times. So uh, I love that. That's <laughs> great. You know? It's cool that Bill kept the tradition going. Yeah. <laughs> you got a cannon from the twenty yard line all the way into the end zone. Yeah, I, That's good. Yes. But the one play, they, and then people were just standing there looking at it. Yeah. Right. The ref was looking at it. And I think it was uh, one of the Bills players finally came over and. 
kicked it out of the end zone. <laughs> the side judge did. Yeah. Nobody wants to get that picture of them holding the dildo. <laughs> right. yeah. Picking it up. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep, exactly. All right, thank you, Bill Weston, correspondent for the Bizarre File. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't me. It wasn't him. <laughs> and man about oh, town. Oh, he's got putting on his bills? Look at that. He got his Bills jacket. Wow. Nick Murphy, you got me in the shot for the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and I see there's like a holster for the dildo. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next story. Uh, let's move Bill, on. your headphones. Oh, he's still oh trying to walk God. out of the studio with his headphones on. <laughs> they have a cord. He just did the same thing. Bill, check your test of t- your oh. sense of taste. You might have lost it. <laughs> get out of here before you... Oh my god, that was fantastic! I wish you would have kept let him kept on walking. <laughs> I was afraid they were gonna like snap <laughs> off. True. All right, a uh, woman in Ottawa has been spotted taking a selfie while standing on her car, which was sinking into the Rideau River at the time. A rescue operation was ongoing when the woman took a selfie after her car had cracked through the ice and began to sink. I saw footage of her; she was hauling ass on the ice. Uh, so yeah, she was doing like it said. Close to 40 miles an hour on yeah. the ice. A bystander took a picture of the driver taking a selfie during the rescue and posted it on social media. Sparking debate. And the tweet was captioned, she captured the moment with a selfie while people hurried and worried to help her. Uh, while some people criticized the woman and accused her of being obsessed with her phone and photos, others argued that she showed calm to not panic and said that it was perfectly fine to make light of the situation. I mean, after all... She wasn't doing anything. She's just sitting there waiting for the... Uh, you just you have take the picture to do yeah. for the time being. So she captured the moment with the selfie while people hurried uh, to worry, uh, hurried and worried to help her. One is one of the comments. But uh, those involved in the rescue were praised by police for their quick thinking as a kayak was used, a kayak, <laughs> kayak, kayak. Uh, to ferry the woman off of the sinking car and onto the ice. Uh, the kayak was pushed out to the woman who then climbed aboard. The, uh, the vessel was then pulled away from the car by a rope that was attached to it. Motorists in South Africa got a closer wildlife experience than expected after an angry elephant flipped over their car with them inside Ooh, of it. This yeah. is some scary-ass footage. Yeah. That's the elephant. It was a quick comment. Uh, the incident <laughs> occurred after a bull elephant charged a family of four, two kids, and their parents. Uh, who were driving through Wetland Park, Kawazulu. We uh, kids, right? And <laughs> Look at the elephant! And in the 21-second clip shot by fellow motorists, the perturbed pachyderm is seen upending their white Ford SUV a la the terrifying T-Rex in Jurassic Park. <laughs> the horrified onlooker beeps their horn in pain at the incensed tusker, which proceeds to roll the vehicle onto its roof. Desperate to save, desperate to save the the passengers. Okay, Bill's where did the Western come from? He attacked it with his dildo. Uh, the driver uh, tells female passenger to phone them. Uh, to which she replies, "I don't know who to phone." And thankfully, the family only suffered minor injuries during Dumbo's attack, although they were a bit shocked at the ordeal. The car was sort of—I um, don't know what type of car it was. It appeared sort of. Bubbleish, or uh, so it, it rolled pretty easily. Yeah, it was an so SUV. I think that's type. what saved them. Yep. All right, and then one last story. We will end with this one: a pair of feet sticking out of a rolled-up carpet, believed to be a body, turned out to be 
a mannequin dressed as Prince Charming. Come on. Uh, this is in England. The suspicious object spotted on the M1 motorway prompted a call to Cambridgeshire Police, who were deployed to track down the car. When they found the vehicle, they were told by the driver that he was taking the dummy to a themed birthday party. Uh, police said, we managed to track the vehicle down where our officers discovered that there were indeed a pair of feet belonging to a mannequin dressed as Prince Charming who was on his way to a themed birthday uh, the force said that the driver was given advice to avoid such circumstances again. I saw it as it was rolled up. It looked like they were carrying a, a body uh. Uh, somewhere. All right, and there you go. That is what I have in the bizarre file for this moment. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have a lesson question. We'll have the trash. We'll have the music news. All that and more. Stay with us. Get social with Preston and Steve and WMMR. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok, and probably other places. Hey, you've heard us talking about Krista. She's beautiful, classy, and brilliant, and she's so easy. Krista is Stephen's most loved engagement ring. Picture her, a bright white, high-quality, round, brilliant-cut diamond expertly set into a classic, solitaire, Tiffany-style setting. Krista will guarantee you a yes. Go to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on Krista to check her out. Visit Stephen's showroom at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. You buy real diamonds from a real jeweler that you can trust. It's IHateStevenSinger.com. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. New album from Fozzie is called Boombox. May 6th is when it is out. Lead singer of the band, Mr. Chris hey. Hey. is here with us this morning. Can, I just, can I just interject uh, how much I'm terrified of sinkholes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are we de- dealing You're just driving down the road and a hole just opens up in the road and boom, and see where, you later. Where that sinkhole is, it's such a huge problem. There's been roads closed for it's years. Terrible. because so I And I live in the area. I had to get sinkhole insurance. There, yeah. It sucks. <laughs> I had one in my yard one time for years. It sucked, and we kept filling the thing back up, and every now and then... That's where you know you have no chance. You just walk down the street, and a hole opens, and you're gone. That's it. You're done. Their ticket has been punched. I think it was China, or was people walking on a residential? You're right. I know. Life... Hey, we're walking along. Gone. (laughs) Your number's up. Yeah. The earth literally swallows you. Swallows you. That's why it's always good to have a new record coming out. (laughs) In case any sinkholes come up. Uh, May I say, you look very fit and trim, sir. Did well, you, thank you, sir. Did, uh, getting ready for this tour, did you uh, get yourself in a, in a physical position? I, I, I kind of wanted to lose a couple pounds, and it's one of those things where I, you lose a few, and somebody says, hey, you're looking pretty good, and you're like, oh, well, maybe I'll continue to do that. <laughs> right. And now, I think for the first time ever on stage, I don't have a shirt. Ah. I'm, I'm like Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, speaking of shirts, I noticed you're wearing a Stevie Stevie Nicks yes shirt this morning. She's That's awesome. Cool. I uh, yeah, I'm a big Stevie Nicks fan. Um, still one of the greatest singers of all time. And as you get older and and, and stay in in in, in the mu- in the music biz longer and longer, you realize certain singers are unique and will never ever be replicated. And Stevie's uh, one of them. Chris, I'm, sure. I'm go- going through the same thing with, and I'm in a big Stevie Nicks mode now because. Because also writer, songwriter. I mean, yeah. I mean, the whole story. The the uh, there's a story. Uh, it's I think it's uh, the Dave Grohl, uh, the, um, the the recording studio Sun documentary. Studios, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And they they talk about uh, when they when Fleetwood Mac was forming uh, the current or the most current iteration. 
and Lindsey Buckingham, well, okay, I'll join, but you got to take my girlfriend. And he sort of begrudgingly said, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> and then she became the hit machine for the band. And now she's at the point where she takes a stand where listen, I'm not doing the band without Lindsey. And so now Lindsey's out of Fleetwood Mac. She yeah. got her revenge 50 years later. Steve and I love listening to the live record that they had out a, a few years ago called The Dance. And, and I was yeah. listening to it yesterday. And it, Stevie's voice is just unbelievable. But then you hear, like, Chrissy McVie has a really pretty, nice yeah. voice. Sitting next to Stevie, no. it's, it's unfair. <laughs> no chance. It's like George Harrison and the Beatles. You're a great songwriter. You're a great singer. You're just in a band with the two best songwriters <laughs> of all time. You don't have a chance. You said the same thing. And it, well, you, the thing what we we love many things about you: your commitment to um, you know to, to rock, to, to classics. Uh, you know, classic-sounding rock band with the, the sort of anthemic thr- thrust that you guys have, but but it's it's and you know remembering all the different career options that have been available <laughs> to you. You've been in movies, you've written books, you've obviously your your wrestling career. Does it still at this point in your life? Because I think music probably is your main passion. I'm going to have to guess that's your main passion. That this is still something that you're able to do and deliver at and be creative at at this point in your life. Well, I mean, I, both passions is, is, is equals wrestling yeah. and music, and it's always been that way since I was a kid. You know, and, and we've discussed this before when people say, "So when did you decide you wanted to be in a band?" And it's like the same time I decided I wanted to be a wrestler huh. when I was about thirteen years old. My my high school band was called Scimitar, <laughs> and the T in Scimitar was a, was a curved sword like Sinbad the Sailor. That's what a Scimitar is. Dude, right. mine was called Tyrant T- what, when I was in junior high. Really? There was like fifty tyrants. <laughs> there was a tyrant in Winnipeg. So there were tyrants everywhere. <laughs> but, but but so I've always had that that uh, that goal and that dream and and even the song I still burn that you, that you guys just just played it does relate back to those types of feelings of having this goal and having these dreams that you wanted to accomplish these passions and getting knocked down and still getting back up again and making them happen and that's kind of what we've all done in this room anybody yeah. can can relate to that that's ever had a goal and a dream of something they wanted to accomplish there's such a synergy between rock and wrestling there really is yeah. and, and so I mean. I mean, I don't care who, how reticent someone is to go see AEW. Uh, you're going to be pulled in, and a lot of it is the sound and the rock and the, and everything, the presentation. There, there is that same energy. Well, it's all connecting with the audience. Yeah, that's that's the secret of being a live performer. And whether you're doing it in, in wrestling like I do, or music like I do, if you're a stand-up comedian, if you're a, a Shakespearean actor, whatever it may be, if you can connect with the audience and engage them with what you're doing, you'll always have fans. You'll always have them wanting to, to buy a ticket to come see you. And that's the true secret. When I started wrestling, I wanted to be the ultimate rock and roll front man <laughs> in a wrestling ring. The Paul Stanley of wrestling or the Mick right. Jagger, the Dave Lee Roth. And then when wrestling, when, when the Chris Jericho character became more prominent using all of those techniques, I put them back into Fozzie. So it's all rock and roll based about being a great front man and making sure that people have a great time no matter what the situation is. You mentioned a few names there and uh, we, we had this, uh, we had this, uh, music uh, battle thing a little while a few weeks ago here on MMR and uh, we were recruiting bands and uh, I had said that I, I wanted <clears throat> I said the greatest front man of all time and so we chose Queen and Freddie Mercury and then our, our midday jock uh, Pierre's like well I beg to differ so he went with uh, he went with uh, Mick Jagger yeah. who he's considered the great and I, and I started to analyze a little bit of them like well, why do I like Freddie Mercury a little bit more than, than I do Mick because Mick is probably one of the great he, well he is without well, question one of the greatest front men of all time but he does the danceless party let's have a good time Time, but Freddie was this basking in his glory. But let me weigh in two on different this, styles. Let me weigh on this, yes. Preston. Here's 
the reason why Mick is the greatest frontman of all time, and there is no other answer. <laughs> but let me. But let, listen to my point, though. Yeah. Because Mick, I just saw Mick in November in Atlanta. He's just as yeah. good now. And I'm not saying that, oh, he's good for a 78. No, he is good for any era to this day. You are talking about their next tour. Think about this. Yeah. Rolling Stones 60. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know what the sixty means? That's how long they've been a band. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody can can ever beat that. Just because I mean, Freddie was the greatest, but Freddie also passed passed away. He's know, let himself go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's nothing with skin and bones, right? Too soon, too soon. But so I think I think I agree with what you're saying. But to me, Mick, the fact he's still doing it at the highest of levels, the longevity that the Stones have, and Mick also basks in his own glory as well. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. The jackets he puts on constantly for the show is amazing. <laughs> so I, I think I think just because of of that. Uh, longevity that he has, you can't really. Beat so, that. what do you like to bring to the stage as far as a front man goes? I mean, like I said, it's just it's just a, a real vibe of making sure that people have a great time. We have a lot of anybody that's seen Fozzie knows. I mean, every time we play uh, WMMR, yeah, the MMR, every, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, yeah. The, the secret is you want people engaged, chanting Fozzie, clapping, singing, jumping up and down, whatever the tricks are. We use all of them because when people come to our gig, they know that they're going to be run through the ringer of of entertainment and crowd involvement and all that stuff is very important. People just want to be involved. They want to sing along. Tie that into the fact now that people are loving to get back to the, to concerts. And we were talking, you know, before you came on, and you're saying like you're yes. getting like crazy levels of walk up walk-ups, now, yeah. which is like like 35. I mean, last night was 35 percent walk up, which anybody <laughs> in the business knows is absolutely ridiculously crazy. Yeah, that's that's wild. It just means people are like, okay, can I go? Let's go. They're waiting. Yeah, yeah. they're waiting to see if there's any new, you know, yeah. uh, if there's any murder hornets showing up. Or- <laughs> <laughs> Those poor murder hornets really never got their due. No, they did. No, I feel no, bad for yeah, them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so the last week and the last couple days and the day of, it's just going uh, going through the roof, which has been great to see. Yeah, that's awesome. What happens on the day or the night when you show up at the show and you just like, what do you do when you just don't feel it and you need to get motivated, like to get, uh, knowing that you need to put on a show because you, you had a rough night the night before or your voice isn't quite there yet? Like, how do you motivate yourself to get up every night and perform every night? Something that, that D. Snyder said years ago always resonates with me. It's like, you might feel like crap, and you might not feel it, or you might not be happy, or you might not in a good mood, but you have to equate the people that show up to that gig, they've been waiting. A month, two months, a year, five years. Who knows how long it's been, it's been since they've been waiting to see Chris Jericho, waiting to see Fozzie. And they are excited, and they've had the, the babysitter, and they've got the parking, and they've got the ticket, and they've bought the shirt. Leave all that pretentious crap behind you and get out there and rock. Yeah. And make sure that people have a great time. I'm sorry if you had a bad day, Chris. I'm sorry if you stayed up till 6 in the morning drinking Grey Goose and listening to Iron Maiden. <laughs> Suck it up, bitch. And put on a show. That's your job. No, I agree. Uh, I had a question. You guys played, uh, you were in Delaware on Saturday. You played Poughkeepsie last night. You're playing, what, Virginia tonight? Leesburg, Virginia. Leesburg, Virginia tonight. So here's my question for you. That that takes a special kind of person. And there are people who are good musicians but and maybe want to do this for a living, but maybe can't handle that type of a schedule. <laughs> have you seen people that have gone in it with the best of intentions? I love music. I'm a good musician. But I can't, I can't do this, man. This is too much, you know? Yeah, being on the road isn't for everybody. You know, and for me, I've been, been on the road for 30 years, so it's just, it's just, 
a way of life. For me. Do I do it, it, yeah. Both your main occupations involve it's road just, travel. It's, it's what the, you do. It's the way it is. So yeah. I don't see it the same as other people do. Like if you said, hey, Chris, uh, they want you to come play in London tomorrow. Uh, you got to leave tonight. You land at 7 a.m. You go through customs. You get to the gig. You sleep on the floor of the, the venue or the couch. Play the show and leave right after because you got to be back in Philly the night, the night after that. Yeah. I say, sure, let's do it. Let's make it happen. So you think differently. It isn't easy. <laughs> Being on the road isn't easy. Uh, and no matter what level it is, you know, we travel pretty pretty nicely for, for our band. Uh, if you're in the Stones, you travel even more nice. It doesn't matter. It's still planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. You know, it's still not your bed. So it does take a special type of person. That's why having longevity in show business is a rare thing because it is not for everybody. Do you ever get to stay in a hotel or is it just in the bus? Yeah, yeah we stay in the hotel time. quite okay. often. How, yeah. how good are you with check-in, check-out, and being efficient and packing and all <laughs> that stuff? I'm good with that, but the one thing that I have to do, I started, I, I always... Text myself the room number. Yes. The reason, yes. Yes, dude. the reason for that is because a lot of times, if you check in from one hotel to the next, next, you don't know what room you're in. And you find yourself just on an elevator <laughs> randomly. And then you Four got a three. It, it, yes. Here's the best. You go to the front desk. Excuse me, sir. Can you tell me what room I'm in? And they look at you like you're crazy. Like, I have no idea what room I'm in. Is it like the people at the Hyatt are going, did you know that Chris Jericho is the elevator operator here? <laughs> he doesn't even know what room he's in. He's wasted. No, I'm not wasted. I just don't know what room I'm in. So what, what are the best amenities uh, to get in a hotel? Like you get in a room, you go, oh, they got robes, you know? Or is there, is ne- never been a robe guy. Not a robe uh, guy. It's yeah. always good to have the little uh, liquid soap. It's nice. The body, the body wash. Because right, yeah. 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 I throw that into my uh, little toilet. Sometimes they have it. little dispensers in the shower. They do. That, yeah. and that, I find that's a little bit ghetto. Like Because okay. you never know. That soap could have been there for five years. Right. <laughs> For me, though, the, the biggest one now is as, 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 uh, is the coffee. Yeah. I like the nice little coffee machines that come with either the little Keurig, little uh, capsules, or the little bag, like the little bag yes. of coffee, and you put it in there. Yeah. And I'm always like, you got to put the water in the back, but you got to put the right amount. If not, it just comes out, it fills the cup, and just keeps going, yeah, yeah. and it makes a mess. Mm-hmm. So it becomes kind of a little bit of a challenge. Can I make a good cup of coffee <laughs> in this hotel tonight? All right, do you take advantage of the continental breakfast? Yes, I do not. I don't worry about the co- All I want is, is a coffee machine and an ice machine close to me where I can get some ice and have a drink after the show. And as long as I get that, I am fine. That's awesome. all I need. Uh, if you're just tuning in, it's uh, Chris Jericho uh, from, of course, the band Fozzie. The new record is called Boombox, coming out on May 6th. What number album is this for you guys now? Like 15? something. Uh, it's like actually number 8. Number, okay. number eight I know you've yeah. been around for at least 15 years. Right? We have been, yeah. And actually, yeah. this record, uh, Judas, came out in 2017. So now we're going on five years between records and that wasn't supposed to be the case we were actually calling this album chinese phosocracy <laughs> for a while. Hit the 14 year mark it took yeah. so long yeah we started recording this in may of 2019 and then of course the pandemic came and then we actually have had it finished mixed and mastered and done for a year but i didn't want to release a record none of us did during kind of the last bits of lockdown uh can we do touring can we go to radio stations and be in in studio, uh, so now the timing is right, had, and May 6 is perfect. A number of musicians that sort of just sat on stuff they had ready to go yeah. right at the beginning. Cause I don't want to have this just be inert and not be able to, to support That's right. it and play it for people. That's I mean, ACDC Power Up record they put out last year is one of my favorite ACDC records ever. Right. I think it's great. They still haven't toured on it. Listen, that's ACDC. They can do that. We didn't want to do
do that because we really love this record, Boombox. We believe in it. There's already two top ten singles from it with I Still Burn is out already as well. It's a different business model than the way it used to be. Before you'd put the record out and the single comes out the same day and then you got six months to promote it. You can promote a record for five years now and just keep putting out content and singles as you go. And that's the smart way of doing it. Are you a band that composes on tour or do you have to gum, come off tour and, and... Yeah, we've never been that way. It's yeah. Touring is touring and I think, you know, Rich Ward uh, writes a lot of riffs and kind of puts them in the riff bank. But as far as writing songs, we kind of tour and then write. But there is still a little bit of that, but usually when you're off in between uh, legs of the tour, shall right. we say. In a nod to the title of the album, any chance that you, since it's Boombox, you guys are going to release this on cassette uh, for old school? That'd be a great idea. Right? Check this out. I just got this in the mail the other day. I get packages sometimes from different places, and it was a package from Aerosmith. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And they've just put out uh, some kind of a... A record from 1971, like their original tracks or something. I can't remember what it was called, right right from the start or something. And the package had the, the LP, a T-shirt, a cassette, and a cassette player. Ah, One of those old school cassette that, players that's, yeah. you know, about about a foot long. And I was like, that's really smart. Yeah. So maybe we should do the same and put it on a cassette for we, people we, who have players. Were you a Max L or a TDK guy when you were... Uh... I liked the Max L because he could do a 90-minute. Yes. <laughs> and I would make a 90-minute mixtape, 45 minutes of Side, you can really stock it full of uh, it, all your favorites. It's hilarious that that became sort of the retro. Cassettes have had their thing. Now, eight tracks have become retro again. Well, check this out. So, we were in uh, uh, Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania the other day, and there was a record store there that was selling a bunch of cassettes. And in that basket or box of cassettes, there was random uh, mixtapes that people had oh, made. Wow. And, sold. Oh, and I told the guys, like, dude, I've got like 20 mixtapes. I'm going to send them all to you. Oh. Make Chris Jericho's mixtape. I think people would be would dig totally. that. Totally. All right, what, I have to ask then. Okay, mixtapes. Did you generate more mixtapes uh, to get a girl or just to have your own specific? <laughs> well, because I would travel, like we mentioned, I've been yeah. traveling on the road since 91. So back in those days, you didn't have every single... A song ever uh, written on your phone. Right. You would have to pick and choose. So I would make these long mixtapes to throw into my little box of you could take 30 with you in a little suitcase. <laughs> right. But if I made the mixtapes, that would put a lot of variety to So I would make them for myself. Okay. And the big one that I made was Ballad Salad. Yeah. <laughs> Ballad Salad uh, Volumes 1 through 5. And these were, these were songs that like, they weren't ballads per se. They were songs that made me feel a certain way. Like if a chick dumped me or something. I remember Cold Shot right. by Steve Ray Vaughan was wow. on Ballad Salad. Like just yeah. that you listen to nice. just like makes you feel good. You're like F this chip. Yeah. <laughs> Her fault, not mine. She can't take it. Ballad solid. I love that. Uh speaking of songs that you like, uh Marissa. Here you go, my oh yes, there you go. great song. What a ref, right? Oh my god. Yeah. Just slow and dirty. Yeah. Love it. Stevie Ray was the man. Uh he, he's could be the greatest guitarist ever. He's yeah. up there. Yeah. Once again, if he was still with us and was still able to make oh. great music, right? Uh, you know what, Marissa, speaking of, of songs that you like while you were in the hallway, she said that your uh, a ringtone or an alert went off on your phone, <laughs> and it was a Scorpion song. The Zoo. It was The Zoo. <laughs> the Zoo. Excellent. My the Scorpions could be, I look back at me as, as uh, you know, junior high the Scorpions, and and even though Eddie was the the guitar god, I think the band that I air guitared most to was the Scorpions. Scorpions? Yeah. yeah, like the the solo and still loving you, and obviously uh, Rocky like a hurricane. And this one, I would just stand in front of a mirror and just rock out to it. Man, <laughs> this is a great riff too. 
super heavy, all chunky. You know, that's another thing. Like, we, we use, you mentioned the tricks that we use. There's a lot of Scorpions tricks that Fozzie uses on stage. Scorpions are still always really into the choreography and all four guys coming together. And people love that stuff. Oh, and doing nobody. The, uh... Yeah, yeah, uh, that's what it's the thing. Even, even just coming together at certain parts right. as a band. I love that. People love it, and yeah. not a lot of bands do that. And that's one thing, what's old is new. Anything you can pull from a band like the Scorps, for example, it always works. Because we have a whole new generation of fans coming to see Fozzie that maybe don't even know who the Scorpions are, or haven't seen the Scorpions, or forget. And when you do those little things, it always stands out, and people remember it. Even if it's a subtle thing, it's like, that was cool when, when they did that thing, when they all came together. Like, I used to love Love that so it's, with the Scorps. People can tell it's either you're, you're bringing back nostalgic memories or it's the first time they've ever seen it. Yeah, it's just something that's cool. you got to be a fan of Steel Panther, right? Yeah, we've toured with yeah, Steel yeah, Panther yeah, quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're, always, they're great guys, too, because they... Uh, Steel Panther was the end of the road for them. Yeah. They'd been around mm-hmm. for years, and, and they were like, listen, let's just do a fun project and kind of make fun of the 80s, and here they are playing arenas. So they're not dicks in any way, shape, no, or No, they're great. Because they realize how lucky they are, and also they're a great rock and roll band. They, they play great hooks. They're great guys, so it's it, it's always cool to, to hang with them and play with them. Well, you guys, when, when you find something, and, and listen, you you know, the band's been together for a long time, and you have your style and those chore- those moves that you, that you know work, but will you... We have like a little post show from time to go and, and go, man, that really, that's yes. what we did really worked. Yeah, and sometimes you stumble on things. Yeah. Um, we used to have this big long intro tape. It was like kind of a, a war pigs cross with from 300, like a like an orchestral thing. It was about a minute and a half, two minutes long. And I remember just this last tour, we were playing a festival and you get, you know, 40 minutes and you don't want to waste you know, three minutes of it as uh, of an intro. So he just said, let's just walk on stage. It's like something Van Halen in 81. We'll come on stage and just, just like, oh, they're on, oh, they're on stage. Yeah. And it worked so well that we just do that now. We play Don't Stop Believing" as the intro. And as soon as Don't Stop Believing" is fading out, we just walk on stage. And it's one of those things that no one expects because there's always some kind of an intro. Yeah. And that's something like we, like you said, we just stumbled on it. It really worked. And we said, let's just keep that as part of our show. Once again, it's a super unique intro that no one uses. Just wander on stage. Here we are, guys. Nice. Are you ready? And boom. Kick, kick into I love it. that stuff. Recently also, and Peter Gabriel did it a couple of years ago, and, and leaving the arena lights up. For for certain, right? So, so you're seeing everything, I, and it's yeah. it's kind of all those things when you're taking the time to change it up and to let's try yes. this. The audience appreciates it. I think for the most part, they're like, "Hey, man, this is something different." And so when you go, as you said, you got the babysitter. You spent your money. You're going to do the deal. You're going to have a good time. There's so many bands, especially now everyone's out on the road touring again. Anything you can do that stands out and and, and uh, is unique. Is worth doing. Yeah. That's some advice. By the way, a number of people have texted in and would like to purchase Ballad Salad. <laughs> uh, when that is I got available. something here. <clears throat> I, I, you never know, man. You never know I with think me. you do. I will market it. I if love there's a way idea. to market it, I will market the damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, a text from somebody else that says, please tell Chris uh, his What's Your Favorite Horror Movie interview with Dead Meat was oh, awesome. Thank you. Uh, what what was that all about? Sleepaway Camp Two. Sleepaway Camp Two yeah. with uh, Bruce yeah. Springsteen's sister. <laughs> you know is, it, yeah, Pamela Springsteen. <laughs> I love both of those. Uh. They're so one and two. Yeah, yeah. But when they, the, I don't want to give it away. The reveal when you see it, and and as the legend and lore goes, but she's wonderfully psychotic. Yeah, in the first. Yeah, one she's great. It was, yeah, the second one, Pamela Springsteen, also uh, starring uh, Emilia Estevez's sister, Renee Estevez. <laughs> 
There was another Estevez? Yeah. Oh, there's a third one. I Absolutely. There's Charlie and then Charlie Emilio. Sheen, Emilio, and a Rene Estevez. All right, away from Sleepaway Camp 2, what's your, what, what's, your, what's your second favorite? I think the greatest horror movie of all time is the original Halloween. It still gets me to this day. The suspense in that, yeah. the way it's written, uh, the music, obviously. Uh, it, I don't think it gets much better than that. Although, if I had to face Halloween, it would be a, another John Carpenter, The Thing. The Thing is, again, yeah. so uh, <clears throat> staggering. I love watching Guillermo del Toro talk about the first time he saw The Thing yeah. in Mexico City. That they, they could not believe, as we all could, we could not believe what we were seeing. Yeah. It's, just, it's just amazing. Uh, I wanted to ask you as well, so, uh, you know... We're huge MacGruber fans, Casey uh, and I. Nice. Uh, did, did we? Obviously, you blew up in a van in the first one, but 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 is, <laughs> it, have they contacted they, you? They contacted the me. Show? Some footage from the original. From, yeah. from, and I was like, just put like make Frank Corver's twin brother Hank Corver. <laughs> put me on the show. Come on, Forte. <laughs> Come on, Yarma. Uh, that is a movie that uh, is 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 a cult favorite. Shall we say? Oh my God! I went to Saturday Night Live and and saw the show and they have an after party and it was Halloween and John Mayer came up to me dressed as a stormtrooper <laughs> and started talking to me in some like really strange uh, uh, lines and I realized he was quoting my part in McGroover's <laughs> verbatim. Oh, it's his favorite movie of all time. That's how John Mayer and I became friends because of my uh, five minute part in McGroover. It's hilarious, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny how those things transcend. It's something that and, yeah. and 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 you know that everyone yeah. involved in that, I'm sure it's just it's an amazing sort of feather in your cap to have McGruber. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's actually pretty funny um, to think about it because they said from the start this movie's probably going to bomb in the theater, <laughs> but in the in the, in in the long run it'll be a cult classic. Well, they, and that's they what it is. Just renewed it, so they had one season on Peacock. Right, they're doing a second. I'm season. still around. I Come know. On. <laughs> By the way, Hank Corver with the uh, with streaming services and the way uh, you know people consume uh, shows now, like Living on the Road. Uh, you guys can you can watch anything anytime if you want to. Is are there any band shows? You guys have any shows that you watch and talk about, or we, is everybody we, doing their own thing? We got into the movie. Uh, speaking of horror movies, the movie X that just came out by Ty West. It's is a, it good? It's really creepy. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's I, I really want to check good. it out. Yeah. yeah, it's like a horror movie porno almost, but it uh, it's okay. really, it just came out. I think this week on on demand. It's really good. They're making like a like a no budget porn movie, and they they they, they and there's a, a creepy uh, husband and wife, old people that live. Uh, next door. This guy's on it, man. Ooh. Your producer's already showing X here. Yeah, we got clips of it. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's really cool. And, and so, stuff like that. We don't really watch stuff as as a, as a band. Yeah. We listen to a lot of music as a band. Okay. We, we really enjoy And you agree for that. the most part? On what you, I we mean, do, but there's yeah. a lot of different, like, like, like Rich loves 70s funk and 70s <laughs> uh, yacht rock. Our bass player, PJ, used to be in Trickster oh, back in the no day. No way, really? yeah, We listen to a lot of that late at night wow. just to check it out. You know, Trickster. we listen to a lot of you know, new stuff, whatever's coming out. We, we've been really into the new Chili Peppers album. So, yeah, we just kind of put on music before the show, after the show, and, and, and hang out, and that's good fellowship time. Yep, yeah, yep. totally. Yeah. I can imagine. Uh, well, listen, you guys are you're on the road. You're headed out, but the album is coming out on May 6th. We want to make sure that everybody knows you can pre-order Boombox. Very cool. You can do that at FozzyRock.com, and I'm sure you can get it. Uh, on yeah, we, have, we appreciate your support of I Still Burn, too. It was the number one most added song on rock radio in the States. And I always say this, I never realized how important rock radio still is until we started getting played on rock radio. It's the number one most important thing that drives our band. It helped Judas go gold and 
WMMR has always been a huge supporter of ours, and we thank you guys. Seriously, that's not just lip service. It's the truth. No, no we and, we, and we know you're you're legit about that. We've had enough encounters. and, and Gosh, I've been in here long. Time I've been so many you. times. <laughs> my goodness. It's the best. It is the best. It's great. So. All right, well, listen, man. Good luck with everything, and we're, thank you. we're so happy you're still killing it. So. Yes, we're excited when you invite us back to uh, WMMR uh, Fest. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Barbecue, yeah. yeah barbecue. barbecue. Last time we played with, uh, with the struts, and it was awesome. So yeah. we're waiting. Give us a call. <laughs> we, will. we will. Fozzie, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Jericho. Hey. New album is Boombox. Get it today. We'll be back in just a moment. Cue the jingle. Hey, it's Kathy Romano from the Preston and Steve Show. Feeling festive? I've got 10 brand new holiday activities for you to check out. Go to PrestonandSteve.com for the full list of Kathy's holiday activities. Now, WMMR presents Kristen and Steve's Bizarre Files. And this edition of the B-Files is brought to you by Wawa. Wawa has a gift card for anyone on your list. Happy Holidays from Wawa. Let's get some stories for you, gang. We are going to start with this one and try... To follow along the quotes that I will read, right. because some of them I just don't understand. All right, so a Jacksonville, Florida man has been accused of murdering his neighbor's rooster. And now a feud between the two has ended in a 30-hour jail stay and a lot of fighting. So he murdered, has been accused of murdering his yes. rooster. So James Nix says that it happened mid-May of this year. He said, I didn't know to give it a 21-gun salute. CPR, mouth-to-mouth, do you know? Or call the chicken ambulance. This is what I meant by follow the, <laughs> okay. the quotes, because I don't right. know what these people are talking about. <laughs> um, so Jason DeFelice believes that his neighbor... Killed the pet rooster on purpose, saying, I lose them to animals, but I was not expecting to lose them to my neighbor. That was like that was like my friend. It must have hurt more. Uh, Nix says that it only happened because the rooster was attacking him. He said, I'm defending myself. You know, I was fearing for my safety, and the chicken died. He said his side of the story was this. I just checked my mail, turn around and go, and I hear, bang, 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 bang. And I turn around, and there's a chicken out there in the street. And I say, oh, boy, here we go. Turn around. Walk to my place. Bang, 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 bang. Now the chicken's in my yard. Now its neck flares up. What is this bang, bang, what is bang the, stuff he's what talking was, about? Was the chicken packing a gun? I have no idea what this idiot is saying. He said that uh, what happened. Bang, 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 bang. He said that what happened next was an accident. He said, so I pick up a stick in the yard and I try to hit it. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. But the chicken's jumping up at me and I accidentally knocked it in the head, you know? Call it a lucky shot, whatever. So I says to myself. So when uh, when Defelice came home, all he saw was his dead pet rooster. He said, I didn't see my rooster at first, so I knew something was up because he always came comes and chased me. Uh, he said then... I can't wait to get home and have my rooster chase me. Then I went to his yard and I yelled at him, and he finally came out and said he killed him. Kids in the neighborhood told Nick's, uh, told him that Nick's, who lives right across the street, had beaten the rooster. Nick says he confronted him, rooster in hand. He said, he's yelling and screaming in my yard, and I just told him to leave. And that's when Defelice took action. He said, I'm calling JSO. I called JSO, but JSO didn't know nothing. And I couple well, First, I made a mistake and called the JDL, which is the Jewish Defense League. He said, and a couple of days later, I realized I could call animal control. After animal control investigated, Nix was arrested for animal cruelty. And so uh, Nix says, next thing you know, he calls the chicken police on me. <laughs> 
I had no idea there were the chicken police. Nick said he doesn't understand why his neighbor could have called the police on him. He said chickens die every day. People at churches, Popeyes, Kentucky Fried Chicken. He's making a point. Yeah, he is making a point. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, but he murdered his neighbor's owned chicken. So they say, so, you know, I'm gonna have to take you in. Yeah, believe so. All right, moving on. Another animal story of sorts. Fish are falling from the sky in parts of San Francisco, and a boom in coastal anchovy populations is to blame. <laughs> this is very similar to the chicken story. So this makes no sense. Steve, do you think Tony Bennett likes the town where the fish Absolutely. are where anchovies are raining from the sky? It's wonderful. It looks like they fall down on the poop and they look like Jimmy's. Uh <laughs> Reddit user San Franny posted earlier this month San Franny. that about a dozen I've slept with her. Eight, a dozen eight-inch silverfish rained down from the sky onto their friend's roof and back deck. Several other users uh, commented with similar similar experiences. One person saying they heard a whoosh sound behind me and heard a massive splat. Bang, 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 bang. Before seeing fish scattered on a nearby driveway. Another commented that they almost got hit by a fish waiting for a bus in the Castro. And a third person said they assumed a band of roving kids were doing a TikTok sardine throwing challenge on a roof somewhere after seeing several fish fall onto Outer Richmond sidewalk. Sometimes water spouts will pick fish up and you'll get that situation, but this seems really weird. This is different. Local fishers and researchers are blaming seabirds that because of an explosion in the anchovy population off the coast of the Bay Area now have more fish than they know what to do with. They love their anchovies. Uh, Larry Collins, a president of the San Francisco Community Fishing Association, said, I heard stories last week. Birds and fish are match made in heaven. From guys who said that the water out there was just covered with thousands of birds, and the birds were just sitting there on the water with anchovies in their mouths because they can't eat anymore. It was a sight to behold. So I guess they're flying around and they're dropping them, and that's what's happening. Uh, you, know, you know why, Preston? Why? Because there's so many anchovies. That's right. Lots of anchovies and poop. And that's San Francisco for you. San man. Francisco. All right. Days after meal kit service, Daily Harvest announced a voluntary recall of one of its pro- excuse me products. The company has been hit with uh, two lawsuits from individuals who said that they had their gallbladders removed for (laughs) consuming it. Daily Harvest, a direct-to-consumer brand that relied on a a network of online influencers to promote its projects. I've uh, seen these. uh, Announced earlier this month the voluntary recall of its French lentil and leek crumbles. Oh, my God, I heard about this. After people who consumed it reportedly became ill. Doesn't it say right on the container, might cause your gallbladder to have to be removed? Several influencers told CNN Business last week that they spent time in the hospital with mysterious symptoms that puzzled doctors, including intense gastrointestinal pain and extremely elevated liver enzymes. I had that last week, and it's very painful. You think you're having a heart attack, but I didn't have this. On Wednesday, Luke Wesley Pearson, a content creator from Portland, filed a personal injury lawsuit against Daily Harvest in an Oregon court. The complaint states that Pearson was healthy, had no significant health problems prior to consuming the crumbles and apparently became violently ill required Jeez. hospitalization and endured the surgical remover of his glob- gallbladder well on, we're looking at the containers here president each one it says which organ you want removed oh okay yeah. so don't choo- just choose the gallbladder <laughs> yeah one. uh carol ann reddy a daily harvest customer is also suing the company after she said 
She was also hospitalized and had her gallbladder removed after consuming the crumbles. What do they think of the, the ingredients in it that might be leading to this? Uh, the complaint recounts two emergency room visits in May after consuming the product twice. She described the pain as a 9 out of 10. And uh, Reddy was eventually diagnosed with liver and gallbladder dysfunction. And doctors said the recommended course of action was to remove her gallbladder. Last week, the company posted an update to its website saying that it had received approximately 470 reports of illness or adverse reactions. Yeah, that's a lot. And that approximately 28,000 units of the recalled product were distributed to customers in the United States uh, from April 28th to June 17th. Uh, the founder said in an update that the company is working 24 hours a day, seven days a week to determine the root cause behind the, the health issues. So as of now, they don't know, but people are getting so bad they need I, surgery. I had those, and I liked them. Okay. They're the good, Daily Harvest? Yeah. Pre- pre- prepared food, right? It, it's it's uh, They're like smoothies. You just add like water or milk or whatever. You throw oh. it in your blender. And, okay. and your bladder's gone in a week. <laughs> your bladder is gone yeah. in a week. Wow. All right, and that's all I have time for in the Bizarre File for now. We'll be right back. If you like what you hear, you can see it, too. Check out Preston and Steve's Daily Rush on Xfinity On Demand. Celebrate the coziest season with Acme. They're bringing all the fall flavors to you. From pumpkin everything to caramel apples and all your seasonal favorites. Make the most of fireside dinners, game-winning touchdowns, and warm family gatherings. Acme's here to help you spice, season, and savor every moment. You'll find fresh inspiration, chef-curated recipes, on-demand cooking classes, and more just waiting to be enjoyed. So slow down and fall into flavor at acmemarkets.com slash fall. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. The trash business is a gold mine. 93.3 WMMR with Preston and Steve's Hollywood Trash. And the trash this morning is brought to you by Flight Entertainment. Lace up those skates for Delco's award-winning winter attraction, the Energy Transfer Veterans Memorial Ice Skating Rink, open now through February in Edgemont, PA. Book your skate day today at flightonice.com. Now it's time for the trash. What's going on, Steve? Well, Kylie Jenner catching a little blowback for showing off her decadent 20-foot Christmas tree in an Instagram post on Monday. Many commenters criticized her for adorning the tree with dead hobos. Oh, jeez. Kanye West apologizing after being caught uh, talking in a theater on his phone while attending a performance of The Share Show. Kanye explains he had just dialed 1-900 North Pole and was waiting to talk to Santa. (laughs) Oh, my God. And finally, (laughs) Paulina Gretzky saying that her super hot Instagram pictures don't phase her father, NHL legend Wayne Gretzky. Paulina says her dad has been cool with it ever since he replaced his visine with battery acid. (laughs) (laughs) That's your Hollywood track. You know, this is like semi-historic today. It's absolutely. I believe this is the first live music we've had in the studio post-pandemic. In years. So it's it's literally Literally years. years, And it was a pretty regular thing for us. So we're excited that uh, these ladies are representing that live music. We were playing some uh, uh, music from them last week on the show. And we're excited that they're just stopping through town. Just say hello and play. Please welcome uh, Alejandra, Danielle, and Paulina from The Warning. Hello. Good morning, guys. 
welcome. We're yes. so glad you made it here. And and just stopping through, right? You guys aren't playing in town, are you? Yeah, we, we played, played yesterday. yesterday. You played last yeah. night. Yeah. Okay, we where, last night. where's the gig last night? In uh, the Brook and Bowl. Oh, yes. oh, yeah. How was that? Was that cool? It was, it was awesome. Great. We had a bowling alley literally in the same venue. That was crazy. <laughs> yes, that's always cool, right? Did you go, yeah. did you go throw any, uh, did you bowl at all while you were oh, there? Yeah. Play. I lost in first <laughs> place. Yeah. You lost? Yes. I lost in first place. Yes. Lost in first place. Yes. Okay, go. If you can pull that ball toss off, that's a cool thing exactly. to do. Uh, so uh, the three ladies here are sisters. And uh, is your last name pronounced uh, Villarreal? Is that how you say it? Yes. I got it. it how about that? Yeah, a big round of applause for that. Two years of Spanish, junior high school. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good. Yes. Mm, bueno. <laughs> it paid off this once. Um, no, but you, you guys are uh, born in Mexico? Yes. yes. Okay. We live there as well. We're and Mexican. Yes. Nice, nice. Yeah. And uh, I, I, so here's uh, the question, because we're just learning about you guys. Um, you had a viral video uh, that hit, and it was you guys playing, uh, covering Metallica. Yes. How old were you at the time when you did the oh video? Oh, my God. I don't remember exactly how old we it were. It was 2014. 2014. 14. 14. So I was 14. So I was 12. And I, was, I was 9. Oh, oh my God. God. We were tiny. We were yeah. really yeah. little. Tiny yeah, babies. Yeah. But it took off. I mean, it took off like crazy, like millions and millions. I think, was it the last tally? Is someone upwards of 28 million views or something like that? Oh, my something? God. I didn't know that number. No. <laughs> yeah, that was... Basically, what started our whole career as musicians, yeah. Not so, only that, you, you end up on Metallica's own radar. They're they're they yeah. they're thrilled with it, yeah. uh, and, and everyone getting kudos. But it progresses, right, Preston? And it yeah. was a cool for so full circle moment because yeah. now last year we were able to participate with our own version of Enter Salmon in the Metallica Blacklist album, which is the 30th anniversary of the Black Album. <laughs> oh so it's just. Oh, we started with amazing. that song, and now we have our own version for a Metallica album. That's amazing. It's amazing. Who who posted the video? Was it one of your parents? Or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No kidding. No, yeah. no kidding. Wow. Yeah, we posted yeah. videos on YouTube for, like, our grandparents to see them, and then suddenly... Millions of views. Well, Dad, Dad certainly deserves a rare spot in the uh, in the liner notes, right? Of course. Uh, that's very cool. All right, so uh, to to run down who does what in the band, for those who may not uh, know, uh, Alejandra plays bass. Yeah. Uh, Danielle is the uh, guitarist. Yes. And uh, Paulina, the drummer. I'm the drummer. Fellow drummer, thank you very much. Drummers. Totally, yes. man, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Who started first? Who got involved in music first? Uh, well, it was the same time Yeah, but Paul and I at the same time. Because Ale was just I a was too young. baby <laughs> when we three. learned to play piano. Yeah. So we started it off, and then Ale was just like, I want to. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah, I want in. All right, and then, but at that point, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, siblings can get involved in the same activity. It doesn't mean they want to do it together. Um, <laughs> yes. Were you playing with other people or just always you three? No, it was basically, we all played individually. It was never a group thing. It was only after Ale started playing the when she was like, I don't know how old you were. Was I like seven, eight? Well, oh my God, okay, yes. That we started like, oh, we can play these instruments together. Yeah. And that's just kind of how it started out. Did yeah. you all like rock? Or or what, 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 I assume there are multiple, everyone always has multiple influences, yeah. but were you all rockers right from the get-go? Yes, because our parents are rockers. But basically, we listened to a lot of different types of music, but it was the video game, the rock band, that really got us into rock. And that was the reason why we started playing the instruments we play today. Did songs of yours end up on that eventually? Yes. How, cool that? how cool is that? How cool is that? Band 4. It was, we have two songs on Rock Band 4, which is insane. <laughs> Do you play your own song? We tried. We did. <laughs> <laughs> we failed. <laughs> we were horrible at it. 
embarrassing. You couldn't play your own song? That's crazy. That's funny. That's hilarious. How well do you guys get along? Uh, we get along really well. Do you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because you're females, you're sisters, you live together. You're like that's that's a yeah, lot of <laughs> a lot of time spent together. No, but but honestly, we're best friends, and uh, we make like this is a really hard um, career to have sometimes. Yeah. But I feel like we manage it so well because we communicate with each other really well because we're sisters. And it's just a really nice environment to be in. We well, feel very comfortable. If you start to think about it, I mean, it's, the, the the industry can be pretty predatorial and it can eat people up. And, and to have people that, you know, I mean, you're not going to get anybody closer than family to watch exactly. your back. Yeah. Well, so the reason I ask is because the world of rock is littered with with uh, brothers and sisters that have hated each other oh, yeah. over the years. The, 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 the Gallagher brothers from o- Oasis and the, the Davies from the Kinks and the Black Crows. Yeah. And so that, but you know, none of that for you. None of that for you guys. You guys love each other. Nothing but love. We can definitely tell that. That's cool. So, uh, as far as, and we're going to get you guys to play uh, the song Money here in a moment uh, because it's awesome. Uh, First of all, uh, who does the majority of the writing? Do you guys work together? Does one of you write the songs? How does that work out? So, we write the songs, the three of us together. Mm -hmm. I, the drummer, usually start the songs in the piano. If I have a melody, lyrics, a, a little bass of something, I show it to them and then we start working on it the three of us together and that's usually where the song takes off but it's a really cool process but talking about the sister thing that's usually where we fight the most yeah oh uh, with the songwriting yeah do you have a good so that if you set the parameters and say okay we're gonna fight but we're fighting for the same cause so does that how you get yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. Like okay that. and at the end of the day music is just opinions and right. its tastes. So it's just kind of like balancing our opinions until we reach a middle ground. Okay. And that's what we've been doing so far. It's got to be hard awesome. because you, you, you write something that, that you like, that it, yes. but the other people aren't, the other two might not be hearing it, and they have to choose am I going to be honest that I don't really like this or am I yeah. just going to say and yeah, that's we good. We usually choose yeah. the honesty it's, path. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It's crazy to kind of try and describe and pitch your idea because you hear in your head, but no one else is hearing that. So yeah. It's just like, so you kind of had to like sell your point without having an actual point, if that makes any. I uh, know Anthony yeah. Kiedis. I remember I was watching. Was it maybe behind the music or whatever? And he was talking about under the bridge. You know, and when he came to the rest of the band, he was sure they were gonna hate it, and they didn't quite. They didn't quite get it, but they didn't. They said, "Okay, let's let's work this." And and he said, mm-hmm. "That's when he felt this is my band. We're a band. Like they need mean they." May not understand it right now, but they're going to work with me to get what I want to get out. So yeah. you guys have that yeah, same that's dynamic. The whole thing. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yes. Yeah, that's very cool. What about what about your parents? Do they have in, in say in the music at all, or they leave it up to you guys? Oh, well, they leave it up to us, definitely. Right. Yeah, like they really support us throughout mm-hmm. the whole process. But the like that's our thing. Okay. We will give honest opinions. Though. Yeah. yeah, good. So that's yeah. good. Well, okay. and I feel like with family too, like parents, and then especially siblings, there's no like you can be honest. Like I, I'm just thinking yeah. about talking to my brothers. Like I would never sugarcoat anything with them. I'm like, no, you're yeah. being a jerk right now. Like, she doesn't sugarcoat yeah. with us. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, so you guys are, let's, uh, we're going to talk some more, but let's get some music, okay? Oh, okay. We want to hear money, and uh, if, if that's cool, yes? Of course. We actually are going to mix it up a little bit. Okay. I usually sing the song. Pao's going to sing the song today, so you the get like a, gonna sing. a special Woo. edition. <laughs> yeah. And, ex- and it's an acoustic version of yes. the song. All right. Well. It's so. an exclusive here on the Preston and Steve Show. All right. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Warning with Money on MMR. 
You're not the singer? You're not the lead singer? <laughs> That's insane. That is the, the lungs on you, the power that you've got. That's By the crazy. Way, you're yeah, all very diminutive here. So yes. the fact that that came out of you, any of you, is amazing. <laughs> what were you going to say, Danielle? That, yeah, her lung capacity is amazing. She sings like that while playing the drums. Wow. Every oh, yeah. night. So, yeah. It's fun. It's fun. That, ha, I can't, I Here's me, brother. <laughs> No, that's awesome. Uh, what a great sound. Man, oh man, I'm I'm blown away. No, they, they, they're phenomenal. When like we heard said, the song initially, we're like, holy crap. Like you said, diminutive, small yeah, yeah, in stature, yeah. but huge <laughs> in sound. And you guys are going to be with some other powerful voices later on. You're going to be uh, uh, joining uh, Pretty Reckless, Hailstorm, Lil Azar. Yes. Amazing. That's like a hardcore rock chick fanatic yeah. uh, show set. We're so excited about that. First of all, we're honored to be part of that tour and to be opening for like these bands that we admire so much and just to learn from them i feel like that's the most exciting part about touring with other bands yeah just learning from them and they're just so amazing how about lizzie hale's voice man oh that's crazy right it's insane yeah, yeah. i so love much, her so, so much so have we're you, very excited about that. Have you had a chance to, to interact and mingle with yeah. any of them yet? Okay. Yes. Cool. We actually um, met during the pandemic through Zoom. Through Zoom. Yeah. yeah. Okay. In an yeah. event that we were in together. Um, and she's the nicest person. She's We've, so sweet. Yes. Yeah. So you, you mentioned learning from them. You guys, did you guys give a couple of TED Talks yourself as far as? Yes. Oh, my God. About get the industry? We, we did. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was back in like 2016 and 17. Were you nervous? Yes, <laughs> like we were really nervous. Fourteen, and then like you know, so playing young. it's our thing. Yeah. We love yeah. to do that, but, but like talking, talking yeah, give like with, a with, presentation. Yes. With the instruments and the band, the sound system, you got kind of a comfort zone. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But but exactly. just a microphone and speaking to an audience. Yeah. I'm going to put you guys in the top five percent of any band we've ever had in here for conversing and everything. So you yes. got oh, it. Don't you. worry about yeah. it. You, you've got personality to spare. But I know what you're saying. A TED talk, and you were you were. Addressing the industry, right, and and, and getting involved—that's yeah. cool. We love to see this. I don't think the time has ever been better, at least in, as far as we can remember, to have all these um, rocking female bands that are really killing it. You know, c- coming into the arena. So you to, and you're on the on the younger end to say, hey, a- anybody can get through that door. It's pretty cool to have you. Uh, what do you, what are your what's your fan base like? Describe your fan base. Is Our it? fan base. It's okay. crazy because it's, it's like a mix of everything. Yeah. It's like, a very familiar fan base, I think. Yeah. Well, is it? That's how you say familiar? Oh, familiar? Familiar? That's that the word no, is Spanish. No, it's not. It's a, um, like a family. family. Familial. <laughs> Familial. Familia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, basically, um, it could go, like, to older rocker um, people. Yeah. Like, when they first Grew saw us with, with the Metallica cover, like, yeah. they, they got really into that. And when we released our own music, they were also, like, hooked on that. And they, they're just so amazing. But we also have a younger crowd. Mm-hmm. But we also have, like, a really younger crowd. Yeah. Like, like, the older crowd will with their bring kids, their, their grandkids yeah. and everything. And it really varies amazing. also, like, by country. <laughs> like, in Mexico, in our, like, home country, it's, like, usually, people like, younger age. people yeah. our age. Mm-hmm. But here, we really do see, like, a really wide variety. Okay, I think it's cool because it's, you know because this is the lifeblood. This station has a you know multi decade history of, of of rock and and I mean you know when uh, Stairway to Heaven came out that was debut you know it was being played as a current here wow. so it blows blows your mind so the fact that this I mean this always makes us smile because this bodes well for the future of rock that you guys are doing straight yes. up real rock. 
very much so. Yeah. All right, so I have a question, you guys, and this is going to sound a little creepy, but you guys are young, attractive oh. girls. How do you handle the the creeper level, like uh, somebody like me? Listen, so we have this uh, this group's going to be playing our, our big festival show, the MMRBQ, Froggy, and they're young as well, three-piece awesome. female group. Oh, nice. And I've, I've seen them on social media going, guys, stop with the comments, you know, online and so on, that, that yeah, kind of cross the line. And I'm sure with, you know, you guys being young and your parents being involved, it's got to be, it's got to be a little... How, how do you process that? I do you mean, just... the internet is crazy. We always, I mean... Yeah, since we started on the internet, I feel like we've... Like, it's something sad, but, like, you see it all the time. Yeah. And you kind of, like, get desensibilized to it. But we started out, like, our parents, like, really protected us throughout Good. the whole thing. And they still yeah. do. Basically, it's just surrounding yourself with a team that can really help you through it. Because sometimes it could be, like really weird like yeah. it can be yeah. but uh, and also like we the three of us we protect each other mm-hmm. and like we always make sure that if something is happening that we can help each other and out it's crazy to think about but we started 10 years ago you guys are, are seasoned pros at this point uh, you know it, it, it's funny when you think about it though and i, I forget who is there's another TED Talk, as a matter of fact, talking about how social media is used and who's using it. There's a, a small percentage of people seem to get the most air on social media. When you realize that's not the vast majority of people who are these some of these derelicts and perfs and stuff like that. That the, you know that, that's that's a side thing. And I always our our mindset is just remember the source, remember the kind of person who would get who would get that way and just dismiss them because it seems like on every other level. The fans and what we read the comments and stuff all huge and, and they love you. By the way, here's a here's a comment I think you guys will like. A text that came across that says that song was something you might hear in the intro of a James Bond movie. Oh, <laughs> stop. Thank you. That's nice. Well, you know, Billy Eilish just got uh, they won yeah. the Oscar yeah. for the uh, yeah. Bond movie, which yeah. is pretty cool. Well, I know you guys are headed to Baltimore. Do you have a show tonight or tomorrow night? Or do you even tomorrow know where you're going? Night. Tomorrow yes. night. Okay. Yes. So you need you some a, rest. You got a day off, yes. which is cool. You did us a favor today. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, listen, we're very, very impressed. This is excellent. And we thank you uh, for coming by this morning. One more time for you. Could I get a hey? One more time. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> That is awesome. Uh, you guys are the best. Stop by here anytime, please. Thank, thank you for having us. Oh, yes, thank you everyone. so much. You'll have our undying support. Let's hear it for Alejandra, Daniela, and Paulina. Thank you, guys. We'll take a break, and we'll come back in just a moment. Stay with us, friend. Wait, what's they? Where was that place, Preston and Steve said that guy did that thing that one time? Uh... Don't bother your friends. If you missed something on the Preston and Steve show, the daily podcast and the YouTube stream are posted on PrestonandSteve.com every day after the show for just such occasions. It's always there and always free. That is until the internet breaks and we've got bigger problems.